Them boys from Sandy Fort, Delaware, baby. Perched on the top rope podcast. You better listen to it or I'm going to be on the perched on the top rope and I'm going to drop this froggy bow on your head. The following podcast has been paid for by Perched on the Top Rope. Welcome everyone to Perched on the Top Rope. It's me, it's me. It's the LWE. I'm the former dirt sheet writer Lee Walker. You can find old articles of mine and old interviews on Sports Kita, Ringside News. You can also check out my work at The Richest and The Sportster. Just search my name, Lee Walker. But before I get into our special guest and introducing Justin, I want to congratulate my mom. She got to ring the bell for a second time today. It's not the same bell as a wrestling bell, but uh, she had a really, really big win today. Congratulations, mom, on beating breast cancer. I'm very proud of you. I love you. And way to go. Big Okay. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. All right. I want to introduce my special guest at this time. You know him from Botched Spots and Chair Shots, part of the Smacked Raw Network. Ladies and gentlemen, Will Gregg. Will, how you doing today? Man, I'm hyped. I'm so glad we finally made this happen. Same, same. And of course, you can find him at Ring of Honor, Death before Dishonor, one of their longest pay-per-views ever. And thank you, Tony Khan, for keeping it alive, which, ladies and gentlemen, at the end of the show, you'll be able to hear the ROH media call with Tony Khan that I got to take part of. The Perch correspondent, Justin Largitoe. Justin, I know you got a big weekend. I, I just announced that one part, but Sunday we're going to meet Sting and Lex Luger. Apparently the dudes with attitudes... Before it was HBK and Diesel, so I'm ready for that. Guys, you ready to do this show? Hell yeah, let's go. Let's fucking go. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to kick things off right where we need to. Ring of Honor. The pay-per-view is this Saturday. A lot of titles are being defended, and you will find out later on if you hang on these are not all of the matches. There's more planned, and you can hear all about that on the media call with Tony Khan that'll play after this episode. Guys, I'm just going to go down down the line. I, I don't pick anyone in specific. It's just a conversation, what we think, how we feel the match is going to be. The ROH Peer Championship is on the line as Wheeler Yuta defends it against Buffalo, New York's own DG, Daniel Garcia. Guys, this is going to be one heck of a a technical match. Uh, You know, pure championship, pure rules. Uh, If you don't know the rules, fans, you can go listen to our interview with Rhett Titus as he explains the ROH Peer Championship rules on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash perched on the top rope. Very interesting match here. It's 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 going to 
in my opinion, I think we're looking at the show stealer. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think this is going to be a sleeper match of the night, and I fought that since, you know, the graphic was first put up on AEW Dynamite a few weeks ago. Wheeler Yuta, ever since, ever since that match with John Moxley a few months ago on Rampage, and if if you remember, Lee, I was actually at that Rampage uh, when it was taped that night, and I said like Wheeler Yuta had has just had a star making performance. Uh, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing before my eyes, <laughs> and the fact that uh, two more days had to pass by before it even aired on TV was just crazy. But Daniel Garcia has really been built up. I think he actually has, he's appeared in the most dynamite main events this year, I believe. So that's a nice feather in your cap to have. And obviously he's under the tutelage of Chris Jericho right now in the Jericho Appreciation Society. But this is going to be awesome. I can't wait. There's very heavy potential. and I think this could be match of the night. And Looking at this car up, up and down, that's that's strong praise. I uh, completely agree. I think Wheeler Yuta is red hot, and I think that Daniel Garcia is a good pick for him to, because they're going to put on a, a show. They're going to work. Like Lee said, it's going to be a technical showcase. This is one of the few matches of the night, though, that has a questionable finish, in my opinion, because although I don't think Yuta's going to drop to Garcia, he's not one of those question mark guys. He's still an AEW guy, so he him taking the belt could very well happen. I don't think Yuta will drop to Garcia, but no matter what, we're going to get a match, and it could be very well the match of the night. Uh, I do think there's another one on here when we get to it that's going to be that, though. All right. So the interesting thing for me with this match in particular is uh, Garcia, you know, as as you guys said, under Jericho's tutelage here, he's more sports entertainment, you know, with that whole group. And it's going to be okay if, you know, we get some of that with the technical, kind of like how Zack Sabre Jr.'s match in AEW went that we watched. Uh, that a lot of fans were upset with, but I mean, we still, you know, with Claudio, but we still saw a great technical match in that, even though it wasn't a full, like full on how Zack Sabre wrestles uh, this match. I think we're going to get a mix of, of both. I got to agree. It's going to be some sort of questionable uh, ending. What I would like to see out of this though, is this starts the combat against Jericho appreciation. You know, there's not many four or five man groups. Actually, that's kind of a lie. There's a lot of them in AEW, but only certain ones are feuding with each other right now. And as like one feud ends, it seems like a group kind of diminishes a little bit and another one comes up. I would love to watch that. I would love to watch that those two uh, teams in a match. And I hope that this is the one that kicks that off. As far as who I think is going to win. If it's Garcia. It's not a clean win. If it's Yuta. He he wins by DQ. Or, or I guess I would say a light clean finish. But 
something happens where someone mistakenly hits Garcia. That's part of Jericho's appreciation. And, and Yuta takes advantage of that. So I'm not really picking a winner, but I'm going to say if either who wins, that's how they win. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, I'd say this is the one match on the card where I really could make a case that it could go either way. And I'm sure we'll talk about it later uh, with everything that happened on Dynamite, the most recent episode. It's very possible, as you said, they move into a Blackpool Combat Club, Jericho Appreciation Society feud. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Jericho is the next challenger for the AEW world title, whether that be at All Out or just a feud on the road to All Out in that month of August. But here for the Pure Championship, I've been going back and forth as, you, as you've as you been talking too, Lee, and I think I'm going to go with Wheeler Yuta on this. And I could be wrong. Like I said, I could see this going either way. But I think I'm going to go with Wheeler Yuta and... We get at least one more match out of this. Maybe a rematch on Dynamite. All right. I dig that. I dig that. That leaves you, Will. Who do you... I think think Yuta's going to retain. Like I said, he's red hot. I don't see TK wanting to drop the belt from a Blackpool Combat Club member yet. Because the moment they start losing, they start losing credibility. And with Mox being the interim champ, they're going to want them to stay as strong as possible. So I see Yuta holding onto the belt for that. But like I said, this is one of those chances where if they did do it, it would be a surprise. And with Garcia being an AEW guy, being one of those, you know, the the younger mid-card kind of guys that would thrive in, say, a ring of honor. Like, I feel like he might make sense as a champion. But like I said, I just don't see him taking it off of Yuta yet. Uh, Blackpool Combat Club, super hot. So is Wheeler. So I see them keeping the, the gold there for now. Okay, awesome. Yeah, so uh, I guess that's a uh, three to one. I'm counting myself as two. <laughs> I kind of picked both. So I, I, I really can't make up my mind, to be honest with you. It, it's one of those, it could go either way. And if, if you know, it went to, you know, Garcia, it's just, I think, you know, Jericho society is going to get their, the upper hand to help him. And it is what it is. The next match is the ROH women's world championship. Mercedes Martinez taking on Serena Deeb. <sighs> I want Serena so bad for this match. I, I, even though Martinez just got the belt, she was a part, she was part of AEW for a little bit. Uh, you know, now seemingly more with the Ring of Honor side of things. I would like to see Serena Deeb get her time to shine with a championship. You know, a, a notable championship here on a very big card for Ring of Honor, in my opinion. You know, she did everything right when it came to... uh being part of CM Punk Straight Edge Society and WWE, even though in 08 they still wanted kayfabe with that group. And I guess she didn't follow the rules, but she's in phenomenal shape. 
great wrestler. They're both great wrestlers. I'm sticking my guns. I, I don't even need to talk anymore. I'm just saying Serena Deeb, Serena Deeb, Serena Deeb. I, I have to jump with that boat too. Um, looking at where she's at, I think it would make sense for them to put the Ring of Honor, uh, Ring of Honor title on her. Uh, talking of some of the things you were saying, she held the Burke in NWA. The Thunder Rosa Serena D match was an absolute banger. Uh, she's the professor inside AEW with the beat the clock rookie challenge thing. We see her consistently do good work. Uh, so as a fan, I'm pulling for her over Mercedes Martinez because I think she's got at least one more good title run in her. And I think this is the time for TK to pull the trigger on that. Yeah, I'm with you guys on that. I'm really hoping we get a Serena Deep, a Serena Deep win here. My gut's telling me we're going to get Mercedes Martin, Martinez retaining. And Lee, I'm sure you know, I've been pretty open about it. I Mercedes Martinez doesn't do much for me. She doesn't click. I, I'm, I'll say it right now. Deanna Peraza was fucking cheated, by the way. Virtuosa forever, bitch. That's who should be in this match. <laughs> I do have to agree with that, man. That was... I, I don't think that was the, the best way to go about that finish of that match. You want to talk about something that fell flat. Like I think Deanna was the bigger, bigger pick at that point, and I think she's still the bigger star than Mercedes. 100% oh. still agree to that. Absolutely. It's just, yeah, I'd love to see Serena win here. If she does win, that's awesome. She should. Like you said, she's just coming off that match with Thunder Rosa at Double or Nothing, that loss. So it'd be kind of weird to do a back-to-back loss for a woman's title in another company. And that's also kind of getting me like, "Eh, maybe Serena Deeb does walk out with the title here. But I think I'm going to stay with Mercedes Martinez. But if Serena Deeb wins, awesome. That's the direction I'm hoping they go. Unfortunately, I just don't see it at this at this moment. Okay. All right. Well, this next match, as Jim Ross would say, is a barn burner. Two out of three falls. ROH Tag Team Championships, FTR versus the Briscoes. That promo... On AEW Dynamite, that FTR cut was a banger. You want to talk about tag teams. First off, the Briscoes, 20 years. Amazing. Phenomenal tag team. FTR, literally the best in the world right now. No doubt. These are teams that make tag team divisions what they are. Because in my opinion, I prefer tag team wrestling over singles competition. There's a lot more that goes into tag team wrestling. There's not just uh, the two competitors and the referee that know the match, but now you've got five people in total that have to know the match and you got to know other people's parts to know when you got to come in to do your thing and in, in, in everything. There, there's a lot more that goes into a tag team match than a singles match. Uh, the chemistry that you have to have with your tag team partner, like WWE loves the, the throw togethers. I'm very adamant that, you know, the chemistry has got to be there. The, the matching ring gear, you know, that all has to stick in my opinion for a tag team. Aside from the wrestling having to be great, you need stuff outside of the wrestling to make the tag team great as well. And these my opinion, this will be match of the night. 
I think Yuta and Garcia steal the show, but this is the match of the night. How many times have we seen FTR give 100%? How many times have we seen Briscoes give 100%? Which, by the way, they did a great opener for us tonight on that show. Thanks, guys. FTR, that promo, though. If that didn't get you hyped for Saturday for this match, I don't know what what, what does. I was already hyped going into Dynamite. I was already looking forward to it. But when they cut that, the the promo and the I'm going to fight like an eight-year-old girl and everything that went into it, I was like, holy smokes, man. Like, it reminded me of you know, the, what you and I were talking about before we went on air about those old school wrestling days that sounded like it could have been, you know, a, a Crockett promotions uh, promo. It could have came from Georgia championship wrestling. Like, and what you're saying about tag team wrestling, Lee, let's not forget that in other sports, they'll say things like offense wins games, but defense wins championships. The singles competitors in wrestling is like the offense. The tag team division is the defense because it's going to be the meat and potatoes of your card. And if your tag team wrestling division is trash, that middle part of your card is going to be trash. So when you have two guys like or two teams like FTR and Briscoes, two out of three falls, they already have match of the year candidate with their first bout. Now looking at it this time, there's no way that this isn't going to be maybe the tag team match of the night or match of the year, possibly match of the year period for pro wrestling. I'm just shooting my shot for it now. Just calling it what it is. I'm super hyped for this one. Yeah, same here, man. FTR has just been on another level since the beginning of the year. And as Lee was just talking about the WB quota when it comes to tag teams, because we all know who doesn't like tag teams, pal, to just throw two singles guys together that you're not using. And yeah, maybe sometimes it'll work. Maybe sometimes it'll click. But at the end of the day, it's just two singles guys teaming together. And that's always annoyed me. Because I really do think there is a a place for tag team wrestling to be profitable in wrestling. We talk about this women's revolution that's been going on the last six, seven years or so. I've been waiting for the tag team renaissance. And here's FTR doing it in every single company like New Japan and AEW, and AAA, and Ring of Honor. They're just tearing everything up, you know? And the promo that they released where they announced this match is two out of three falls to sit down with Caprice Coleman. I wish we had more shit like that in wrestling, man, to build up these big matches. And I don't, I don't really talk about it as much. One of my first exposures to wrestling, and I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about because it's so fucking good. In the build-up to WrestleMania 17, you have The Rock, you have Stone Cold that sit down with JR on SmackDown just in the locker room. And just the tension and the drama in that segment. No no bullshit in the background. It's just two guys saying, hey, I'm coming for you at WrestleMania. I'm taking that title. Austin 316 says, I just whipped your ass. Well, how about you come to WrestleMania and try to whip The Rock's ass? Just, And I'm not saying do it for every match because obviously you don't want to overdo it. But it can really take a match to the next level. And I feel like something like that really did that in this case. Their match at Supercard of Honor in Texas earlier this year, WrestleMania weekend, everyone is just, they were already calling it match of the year. And FTR has proven in the past, there are two out of three falls history with teams like, 
American Alpha and DIY that they always deliver, and it's going to be no different this Saturday, and I, I can't wait. Yeah, me either, because you know why? This isn't a match where we get hype. This is a match where we stay hype. Sorry, Owen. Here's my cat. That's what I get for trying to be like Mojo Raleigh. Okay. Yeah, the this cat was having none of that. No. He wanted no part of what was happening. <laughs> he was like, no, nope, I'm out of here. He's like, if I had a championship belt, I'd be taking it with me. He'd be pulling a CM Punk all over again on WWE. Ooh. Or a Lundra Blaze. A Lundra Blaze. Or, or if you want, you can technically also count Ultimo Dragon since he brought the WWF Light Heavyweight Championship to WCW before WWF even had it back in their possession because it was actually part of Takamishinoku's uh, company over in Japan at the time, which is why he became the WWF Light Heavyweight Champion, the inaugural champion. You can hear all about that in our interview with Ultimo Dragon. YouTube.com slash Perched on the Top Rope. If you don't want to watch it, you can listen to it. Anywhere and everywhere, podcasts are found perched on the top rope. This, this is, uh, you know, this match actually has big news that was announced in the media call, which fans you can listen to after this show, which is why I'm going to pick the team I'm picking, and I'm picking the Briscoes based off the news that was delivered today. If you want to know what that news is, like I said, fans, just tune in at the end of the show and you'll find out. So I'm saying the Briscoes get the ROH Tag Team Championships back 100%. I, I know there's a lot of hype with FTR and the whole belt collecting thing and them wanting the AEW Championships. I feel like for whatever reason, Briscoes winning this, this isn't the end. FTR is going to come back after these guys again. But I also know that there's other plans for FTR in those AEW tag team championships are screaming their name. I'm going to go with Briscoe's as well. Um, I think that them getting the belts don't do anything to devalue FTR's reign in uh, New Japan or AAA or AEW. So dropping the belts here to the Briscoe's makes sense. Um also, I'm going to plug Lee's stuff. Stay and listen to the the interview at, or the media call at the end. It'll all make sense. <laughs> Trust us. Uh, but I think the Briscoes are a solid pick. I think that them having the titles again will continue to put strength behind a rebranding of Ring of Honor because I think there's going to be a mix of new guys and old guys. And giving the Briscoes the tag title into the new run just seems like the the thing to do. The FTR got what they needed to out of them. Now give them back to the Briscoes and let's see what Ring of Honor does moving forward. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to be in the minority here because I'm going to say FTR. I wouldn't be opposed to the Briscoes regaining the titles here. I do think there's a little more FTR can do with the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles. And honestly, I don't see them dropping any of the tag titles they have up until they win the AEW World Tag Team titles, whether that be at All Out or sometime in the fall. Uh, personally, that's just how I'm looking at it. I think we definitely get the one-to-one -one and then the rubber match at the end of this where FTR pulls out the win. But no matter what, 
this has potential to be match of the night as we all of us are just coming off like a broken record saying. But th this is going to be fun. This is going to be awesome. And I'm going with FTR. And just like that, Justin, you're muted the rest of the show. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we play. So, you know, the more I look at, at this and, you know, knowing what's on the media call, I really feel like the champions that we get out of this is going to really start to set up and shape the form of what the new ring of honor is going to be and, and what the roster is seemingly going to be, which will make things interesting once we start to see more separation from ring of honor stars to AEW, uh, you know, with dynamite and rampage and things to that nature. So I, I, that's where I think this paper, this whole pay-per-view is going. Um, and, and there's hints. If you listen to the media call after I'm really pushing that today. Um, anyway, the ROH world television championship. Samoa Joe, the champ taking on Rick, I mean, he's Jay Lethal. He just sounds like Ric Flair when he wants to. <laughs> I mean, he is part of Ric Flair's last match. July 31st. The day after SummerSlam. Yes, the day after SummerSlam. I'll be there. It's in my backyard in Nashville. Ooh. Oh, yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I'm hyped about that one. I got SummerSlam on Saturday and Ric Flair's last match on Sunday. Uh, also, not to digress too much, but the Briscoes Von Erichs that night. I'm hyped about that match. That match has had zero media coverage, so I think the Von Erichs and the Briscoes are going to put an absolute banger on. But you're show Lee. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's totally okay because uh, you know we both know that uh, the Von Erichs being an MLW. ROH, the Briscoes. Briscoes also being an impact now, too. I don't think the Von Eriks have gotten, in my opinion, really their just due yet. Like I don't think a lot of people understand just how good these guys are. You know, I mean, they've got the family name behind it. So, you know, you you got to be, you got to perform under those circumstances. And it's a legendary name at that. So, that's going to be a hell of a match that I'm I'm excited for as well. I'm I'm glad you brought it up. And uh, fans, next week we'll be doing a uh, double show of the SummerSlam predictions and Ric Flair's last match predictions. Make sure you tune into that as well. How Lethal's got his hands full with this match. Ric Flair's last match be a whole different story. We don't know how that's going to go yet, but this. He's got a fight on his hands. Samoa Joe is no slouch. We know this. We've seen him literally everywhere. <sighs> I love watching Jay Lethal do like the Macho Man stuff, the Ric Flair stuff, you know, paying homage to the legends. That's always a huge thing for me. That's why like, I always love when wrestlers do special ring gear and tribute ring gear to other wrestlers. This is a title I don't see changing hands, though. I do not see this changing hands. Uh, Jay Lethal's already in a storyline in AEW. So I, I think this is just like a, 
you know, throw him in there. You know, we know it's going to be a good match because they've put on good matches before. They're going to go out there and give their all. I just, I think Samoa Joe just does what he does best. Gets the hand raised in the end. I, I really got nothing else other than congratulations, Samoa Joe, on retaining your ROH television championship. This is the first time this happened, Lee. I completely disagree. Ooh. <laughs> I'm sorry. It is your show, and I apologize for that. I think Jay Lethal gets the win, man. We both know both guys can work. Um, I think that with Jay, this is why I think Lethal gets the push here. He's got a lot of big bookings coming up. He's got the Ric Flair last match. He's got dates with Limitless Wrestling. He's got stuff where he's being booked on cards. And this is the perfect opportunity for TK to put a mid-card or lower mid-card title on somebody who's going to do a tour to force with it. You know, if he's going everywhere he's going and he's wearing a Ring of Honor TV title, people are going to wonder, where's Jay Lethal going to be next? What he's going to be doing next? So I think his AEW storylines and the Ring of Honor TV title can work hand in hand and also be two separate things. So I think Jay Lethal is going to get the push here because I think with everything he's doing right now, having him wear a Ring of Honor title is going to do nothing but push the value of the market up for the brand. Let me ask you this. Hypothetically, Jay Lethal wins and we start to see the brand separation. Now you just said you can't see why he can't work both. But if Tony Khan does the brand separation where you're strictly AEW, strictly ROH, does Lethal drop the belt before that happens to go back to AEW? That's assuming, so you're saying you assume that Jay Lethal will be full-time AEW roster no matter what. That's where they're going to end up with him. Well, I'm saying that, you know, if, you know, once the whole ROH thing is settled and they know, who you know, the roster, this and that, and then same with AEW, you think he goes AEW or you think they keep him in ROH? I think Jay Lethal could be an asset in both companies, but putting somebody with a draw like he has in a refabbed company makes sense because he's going to have that appeal. People know who he is. Not that they don't know who Samoa Joe is, but when you're rebranding a new company, you're going to want a young touring champion that's going to be able to put your name out there everywhere they go. And that's exactly what Jay Lethal's doing right now. Samoa Joe, however great he is in the ring, is not working a ton. And I think what TK needs more than anything right now is exposure for Ring of Honor coming back. So giving the belt to somebody like Jay Lethal, who's on the road a lot, makes sense. All right. Yeah, uh, Lee, I'm going with you, and I'm going to say Samoa Joe retains here. <laughs> I think <laughs> I'm done. This is over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when Tony Khan first purchased Ring of Honor, it was reported that the people that he sees being a an asset to the new Ring of Honor, and he has big plans for and plans on building the promotion around are Samoa Joe, Jonathan Gresham, and Jay Lethal. Obviously, you know, those three guys are in the top two matches on this show. And this television title match, ironically, has been the most built-up match over the last few months. It's been building since uh, Supercard of Honor, the last Ring of Honor show. And it's had, when you really think about it, it's had multiple main event segments on Dynamite and Rampage closing the show. So it's very interesting. 
But I do see Samoa Joe retaining here. And honestly, coming out of this, I could see them throwing Jay Lethal at the world title. D depending on who wins that match, I could see it going either way. Okay. I mean, so, yeah, those... Oh, go ahead, Will. So you're saying keep him in Ring of Honor, but push him for the Ring of Honor title is what you're saying. That's something I could see, yeah. That makes sense. I mean, I don't see why that wouldn't work either. I think he's shown that he can be main event wherever he goes. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows I, – I think everyone knows Jay Lethal. He's, I, he's been well-known to me for a long time, especially for I'll, – I'll be blunt and honest, a, a guy who's never been to WWE – I, I have a pretty strong stance, is, but it's slowly been changing, Will. I always had a stance that you never made it in wrestling until you made it to WWF, WWE type deal. They're, they're top dog. They've always been top dog. Makes sense. Um, but it's been slowly changing uh, as, as we see things on the internet and, and matches and you know interviews and learn more about you know, them from, you know, the past and, and seeing them now, how they're, they're competing. And uh, now that they're getting the television exposure that, you know, they should have had a long time ago. I I'm happy for everybody that's part of this card, you know, in getting that, getting that time and, and they're, they're just desserts in my opinion. Ah, man, I just, I just see it. I just see Joe retaining, but I, I will. I do love the idea of you know you need a defending, you need a, you need guys out there to go and and defend your title, whether it's on a another like an, an indie show or something. So at least there's exposure to it, because you know sitting at home or you know you know not wrestling is is not helping the company or the title at all, really. Yeah, guy, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's just uh, I can see that. I just and then hearing what Justin said, yeah, they want to build it around these three guys. I I I just see Joe winning lethal. I like the idea of moving up into a a, a championship reign. You know, he, he's well deserving of it at some point. You know, he he should be, but uh. We'll have to see what happens on Saturday. But guys, we got our we're at the main event. We are now at the main event, the ROH World Championship. Jonathan Gresham, Smurf, sorry man, I had to tell you, say it. Taking on Claudio Castagnoli and guys. This show has always been spoiler freeze the way to be. Unfortunately, I'm going to be like Wade Barrett, and I've got some bad news. I'm going to spoil something. I'm not sure if it's a spoil. Justin, you know this because you've been to AEW Dynamite a bunch. You know that AEW Dark is usually filmed before it, I believe. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. So... Wednesday, they had filmed episodes of Dark. And Jonathan Gresham is wrestling on Dark. But this is for 
this coming Monday that it was filmed for. Jonathan Gresham did not come out with the ROH World Championship, which has been led to believe by dirt sheets and stuff that Claudio will win the ROH World Championship. Now, it was just a photo that was seen. No one posted any videos or anything like that of of him being announced. It's only been a photo of him walking out, but he doesn't have the ROH World Championship. And I think there's been a big deal made about Claudio always having a world championship escape his hands, so to speak. You know, we heard Vince McMahon on Stone Cold's Broken Skull Ranch, where he said he didn't get why fans liked Cesaro and didn't understand it and basically said he'll never be a world champion in the company. Now, if me being Cesaro heard that on the podcast years ago, I wouldn't have lasted in the company as long as I did. I would have already been like, okay, see ya. Uh, Which we saw he quietly left not too long ago, and now we see him in AEW, which is amazing. So, based off the spoiler... If it's a spoiler, if you want to call it that, it was just a photo. I'm going to go with Claudio. I'm a big fan of his. I'm a big fan of uh, Jonathan Gresham, too. Guy was trained by Mr. Hughes. I'm writing Mr. Hughes's autobiography. I'm his ghostwriter. I've spoken with Jonathan Gresham about his training and everything like that. Which you'll be able to, you know, hear in the book. Audio and be able to read it as well. I think Claudio has this. I think that this is their, I think TK is going to say, this is your time to shine where others failed you. We reward you. It's going to be a hell of a match. I'm putting my money on Claudio new ring of honor world champion. Completely agree. I think no matter what, this is going to be a banger. No matter how it goes, we know Gresham and Claudio are both going to go in there. They're going to give us five stars if you want to look at it in a star rating. Uh, I don't see Tony handing Claudio the L just yet. Uh, With his history in Ring of Honor and the pop he has right now, having such a super overstar as the face of your company makes complete sense. Uh, I agree with you, Lee. I think this is the point where they pull the trigger and finally give Claudio his title reign. And this is one of those, this is your shot, show us what you can do, kid kind of moments. And I think Claudio is going to take it and run with it. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you guys. I, I see Claudio walking out first world champion for ring of honor. And I've been going back and forth since this match was announced. I'm, I'm thinking, cause no matter what, I don't see Jonathan Gresham pinning Claudio one, two, three, the mat or making him submit. So the only two ways I could see this going is Claudio beats him, whether it be by pinfall or submission, or they do, whether it be a half hour or a one hour time limit draw. I just don't see them doing a time limit draw in the main event of this pay-per-view that's supposed to bring in the new era of Ring of Honor. You know, it's different when it's a main event on Dynamite or it's 
we've seen a few times where the world champion, those matches with Brian Danielson, where he took on Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. Those were the opening matches of those respective shows. And one was a half an hour time limit draw and one was an hour. But I just don't see them closing out the show like that. I am all in on Claudio winning this title. It is a long time coming for this man to be a world champion in whatever company he's in, whether it be AEW, Ring of Honor, WWE. I would love to see Tony Khan do something in less than a month after Claudio showing up in the company that WWE didn't do in 10 years when they had every possible chance that they could have, but they were just ignorant. You know, Lee brought up the Stone Cold interview with Vince McMahon. He's too Swiss, pal. I don't know why he doesn't connect. You see everyone in the crowd standing up, cheering with Cesaro section signs while he's swinging this fucking guy 50 foot to 100 times. And you're telling me that guy don't connect? Come on now. But I, I see Cesaro winning here, and I'm excited because I'm a huge Cesaro fan. I just called him Cesaro when I know. I'm still getting used to it. <laughs> but huge Claudio fan. And, you know, it also brings up the point. Blackpool Combat Club after Saturday could have the AEW world champion and John Moxley, as well as the Ring of Honor world champion in Claudio. And I think that's something to keep an eye out, too. And don't forget Yuta. That's yeah. what I was saying with the Yuta match. Yeah, as well. Yeah. Then putting all the gold on Blackpool makes sense. They have to have if they want to continue to build that strength up until we eventually have Mox versus Punk. I think they're just we're just going to see Blackpool just continue to to get gold. And I think Claudio getting the title makes sense in that for that reason too. When it comes to that, when do we see William Regal? Get back in the ring. Anybody? Hmm. I'm trying to think who I would want to see him work with. You know what I mean? Like, I would love to see him come in and work with a, you know, uh, a, a Brian Danielson. I almost called him Daniel Bryan. Uh, have him work with a Brian Danielson, or have him come in there and just put on a, you know, a banger. But I kind of would like to see him work with a Wheeler Yuta. You know what I mean? A young guy that we know he could get in there and stretch and shoot a little bit with. So I don't know who I would want to square up with him. If if this was a one and done, we only got one more William Regal match. I don't know who I would want to use it on. I'd probably say Brian Danielson. I would say the likely scenario would be Brian Danielson. I think there's just enough trust there. And both guys certainly have the list of injuries throughout their careers to kind of go, hey, like, we can have a great match, but let's not kill each other. Right? And, uh, I mean, I'm just a huge William Regal fan. That man is sharp, well-dressed, great wrestler. And if fans, if you want to hear Neil Purrett, who was the voice of the NWO and a WCW producer, Talk about a match between William Regal and Fit Finley where they planned it for Fit to break William Regal's nose. Head on over to youtube.com slash perched on the top rope and hear all about that story. Now, 
I want to do something that was a show for a little bit. Now I want to turn it into a segment. Guys, this is Heat Magnet, where we find out who drew heat and why. I'm going to start off with an obvious one. Guys, I'm going to start out with uh, Jordan Grace. Now, I'm, I'm going back a week, but that's okay. Jordan decided to tweet out a very unpopular opinion about the name we do not speak. He's like Voldemort around here. I mean, I'm going to say his name anyway. It was Chris Benoit. Uh, where she basically says that he couldn't hang with today's roster. You know, he'd forget the match. Oh, yeah. And by the way, he killed his family. Go fuck himself type deal. Uh, very unpopular opinion. Likes of Conan came out and tweeted against her. Not not that there was many wrestlers that I saw that spoke out against it, but Chavo and Conan were too very against what she had said. And then the fans just shit on her left and right to the point that Jericho, Chavo, and uh, Dave Benoit helped her get, you know, all get in touch and decided to raise money for CTE charity and she donated thousands of her own dollars to it with the hopes of raising 20,000. This drew out Nancy Benoit known as woman in WCW. This drew out her sister saying everything's about Chris. I've been working hard the past X amount of years to keep my sister's name alive in wrestling but everything's always about Chris, the man who murdered my sister and my nephew. Now I'm going to give my unpopular opinion. Man, Nancy's sister is just fucking right. Straight up. I don't fucking care what anyone thinks. The man was a great wrestler. Yeah, you, you'll never change that for matches in ECW, WCW. WWE, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Stampede up in Canada. Much like WWE erased his history in professional wrestling. And I, I very much agree. So I really, you know, everyone says you should be able to differentiate the pers person from in the ring and outside of the ring. Well, apparently Chris couldn't do that. So, uh, I was with Jordan Grace. I don't necessarily agree with the fact that he couldn't hang with today's roster. I obviously think he could. But when you do such a heinous act like that, I really don't give a shit about you, and I don't want to know about you ever again. It's just like everyone with Michael Vick. I'm an animal lover. Justin can see on my Snapchat while I'm landscaping properties. I literally get off my zero turn for frogs that are no bigger than my fingernail. I've rescued countless bunnies, squirrels that have fallen out of trees, baby birds, things like that, because I care. Michael Vick can fuck off too. I don't care how much of a, and I quote, changed man he is. He can fuck off. Chris Benoit can fuck off. 
Hard Body Harris can fuck off. Fabulous Moolah can fuck off. They can all fuck off and rot in hell for all I care. If you don't like that opinion, well, uh, that's your problem, not mine. So Jordan Grace here is not the heat magnet, actually, in my opinion. Chris Benoit, David Benoit, Chavo Guerrero, and Conan, in my opinion, you're the heat magnet. And all the fans that agree with you, you're the heat magnets this week. Guys, you don't have to agree with me about who the heat magnet is, but what's your opinion on this? I'm going to look at it from a couple different perspectives. I agree with a lot with what you said, Lee, about what he did in the ring. But I want to look at it from two perspectives. One, looking at it from Nancy's pers- what Nancy's sister said. She's absolutely right in a lot of ways because think about the legacy. Even though woman may not have been you know, an Alundra Blaze, she still had a very historic run and career as a female wrestler and as a valet. You know, a lot of the stuff she was doing and all of that, everything she did and fought for is completely eliminated because of something she couldn't control or had nothing to do with. It's like Nancy Benoit got erased from history as well. And I don't think that's necessarily fair. You know, I talked about this on one of my episodes about how if there were going to allow a Benoit in the Hall of Fame, if it was Nancy, if you'd be okay with it, you know, and a lot of the people didn't want anything to do with it. But I'm not saying I'm not saying woman deserves the spot. But what I'm saying is, is that she got eliminated from history and I don't necessarily think she needed to. It was sad and tragic what happened. But Nancy Benoit's career shouldn't be completely eliminated from the history books like she never existed either, because I don't think that's fair for what she did. So yeah. as, as, that's, that's that's just it. As far as what Chris did, uh, there's a special I, I say it and I'll say it again and I'll take whatever he I need to for it. There's a special place in hell for people who hurt children and uh, what he did. There's there's no coming back from that. You know what I mean? And, and that's my opinion on it. But I think Nancy Benoit catches a lot of heat and the, the short end of that stick because of what happened to her. And because of that, I would say, yeah, Chris 100% deserves the heat in this situation. This isn't a Jordan Grace thing. Could she have been more graceful on how she said it? Absolutely. She should have been and could have been. But this is still 100% uh, Chris's fault. Nobody else's. Yeah, I'm not being graceful, though. I'm I'm just very blunt in, in how I feel about the situation. You're right. There's a special place in hell for people who are kids, just like a special place for fucking pedophiles. There's Amen. Special, and and he's, yeah. he's, he's down there with all of them. So what do you think, Justin? So I'm going to agree with both of you guys in the fact that woman Nancy Benoit is definitely – been discredited for her contributions to wrestling. I mean, even up in, it, it really didn't come to light about women and Nancy Benoit up until that Dark Side of the Ring episode came out and you were starting to see merchandise for her come out and, you know, all that. Everyone was talking about Nancy Benoit and, you know, there was even talk, hey, they should put women in the Hall of Fame. I don't ever see that happening, and that's not a knock on her. That's not has any doesn't have anything to do with her. But the second you see the name Nancy Benoit or woman being put into the Hall of Fame, everyone's going to start talking. It's similar to the argument that WB had a long time ago, where oh, why isn't China in the Hall of Fame? Oh, Google China and see what comes up. And they don't want their 
core audience finding that it's it's simple stuff like that it's unfortunate that you know she didn't do anything to have her legacy and her contributions erased it's it's shitty it's it's not fair and i i feel bad for nancy's sister who you know was kind of just had to live with this the last what 15 years or so now which is crazy yeah. i think it's been that long it sucks. And, you know, yeah. I, so I, I don't, I don't know how the whole Jordan Grace stuff started to be honest, be honest with you. I, I saw the tweet she put out as I was leaving AEW dynamite in Rochester a few weeks ago, literally as I was walking out of the building, because my Twitter and Facebook just blew up and I'm like, what the hell is going on? But it just felt very random at the time. And I, I didn't know where it came from. I heard the live that she did with David Benoit, and thankfully I got it right because I, I I keep going back and forth between Daniel and David Benoit. And, uh, David's the one who, who is still with us, but I heard it was just very awkward, <laughs> which you can imagine. Well, yeah, we've had to hear since 07 that he wants to be a prof- professional wrestler, yet He's made no attempt to do any sort of training, go to any sort of school. I've been very adamant about this fucking kid that he's just a fucking leech. Well, well, yeah, I don't, I don't even think him getting in the ring and starting a professional wrestling career is necessarily his dream. It's more the fact he wants to kind of bring the Benoit name back to light, if you know what I mean. Oh or yeah, he, you're gonna bring it back to light, all right? Yeah. Maybe maybe that's the wrong terminology to use, but to try and redeem his family name in a way, because you hear about what how he how he wants to be presented as a wrestler. And look, I, I said it last time when we talked about this topic. No fucking indie company, no mainstream wrestling company would ever go for this. But the fact that he wants to, you know, be a carbon copy of Chris Benoit straight from the gear to the theme music to the moves he does, it's just not going to happen. You know, no one's going to have that on their show and it's just going to create controversy. No one's going to want it. And I feel like even if Daniel, excuse me, David Benoit had been training all this time, which again, we, we don't see any videos or photos of David Benoit in a ring doing any kind of, any kind, any kind of moves, any kind of warm, any, nothing. We see nothing of the sort in the last 10 years or so that he's kind of been around and on social media for everyone to see with this goal of his. But I just don't see it as a realistic situation where he gets everything he wants in this. I don't think it's his dream. I think he just wants... It's his way of coping, I guess you could say. He's a lazy coper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, if you think about it, if he wants to bring back the Benoit name, uh, if we if he wants to bring it back, think about how good he's going to have to be. We we should all already know who he is if he's the second coming of Chris Benoit. And the fact that we don't already says that he's never going to be able to be that person. Even and this is this is just me being as rude as I can be, and I'm sorry for sounding that way. If you're not as good as your dad was, there's no way somebody's going to put you on the cart. You know what I mean? The only chance he has is to be just a phenomenal fucking worker. 
And we have no proof that that's even the case that he's ever even been in a rink. So like, there's no chance for you to be the second coming of your dad. If you've never been inside of a, a wrestling ring and until we see what he can do, like, it's you're you're absolutely right, Lee. It's just him clout chasing and riding on coattails or whatever analogy you want to use. It's just him trying to to stay relevant with a story that everybody's tired of talking about. Honestly, I want to know what the kid does for a living. I really want to know what he does for a living. By the way, there's no way he could ever live up to anything his dad did in wrestling. He's one fourth his dad's size and 100 and so 120 pounds soaking wet from the way he looks like he looks like what i consider a molly whopper here in my hometown flopping like a fish because they're all fucked up on drugs that's what he looks like the sunken in eyes the dark eye bags you know looks like he hasn't slept in two years scrawny i'm just calling it how i see it or how i view him anyway but yeah, I don't think uh, Jordan Grace here is entirely in the wrong. It's just maybe not the right uh, wording, and I'm sure Impact came down on her and said, uh, hey, uh, you need to rectify this. I'm sure something something had to have been said, because next thing you know, like you said, she's on live with David Benoit, and then she's tagging Chris Jericho and Chavo for thanking her for the help to do all this. But it's in the wrong person's name. It should be for Nancy, not Chris. Chris isn't a victim of anything. Nancy and Daniel are victims. So in my opinion, the fact that as fans we don't discredit him but then again we don't discredit jimmy snooker and he murdered a girlfriend so yeah it is what it is there so i though my opinion those are the heat magnets here i think that everyone i said i think they're the ones in the wrong and i'm gonna stick to my guns on that and i'm gonna pick my next heat magnet which has uh He's been enjoying himself, even though he's generated a lot of heat. And that would be Mr. McMahon. It didn't start with it started with one sex scandal involving three million in hush money. To next thing we know, there's four and another twelve million dollars of hush money. Uh, and then Uncle Dave says, well, I don't think Vince and Linda have been together for quite some time. Well, if you listen to Perched on the Top Rope, episode 76, you get to hear me, myself, and I have an awakening while watching the Pat McAfee interview with Vince McMahon to notice that Vince is not wearing his wedding ring. To notice that not only is he not wearing his wedding ring, Vince says in a previous marriage, Vince McMahon married Linda at 18 years old, fresh out of school in 1966. It's the only marriage he's ever had. So if there's a previous marriage that we don't know about, it was 
I, 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 it's the only marriage that's on record. So seemingly he was admitting that they're not together anymore. Now, a lot of people came at me saying that I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and then showing me pictures of him wearing a wedding ring, showing pictures of her wearing a wedding ring. Pretty dated photos, I'll, I'll, I'll admit. But uh, I think I was right in that, that Vince and Linda are not together. So I said it first. Screw you, Dave. I'm going to leave it at that. Anyway, that's besides the point, guys. The point is, Vince, man... But these aren't the first scandals. Uh, Justin, you weren't born yet, but since Will and I were, <laughs> I remember this being on TV of sex scandals involving uh, males in WWE, like behind the scenes, and Pat Patterson and Vince McMahon. Uh, this was, of course, about or around the same time as the steroid scandal had happened and uh, Hulk Hogan testifying against Vince McMahon while working for Vince McMahon, which made things a lot more interesting. And that's, but these scandals, in my opinion, are really no surprise. So when I heard about it, I wasn't shocked because it brought me back to all that stuff from the early nineties with uh, various sex scandals and things like that being brought to light. I just remember them being on the news. And as a kid, I, I didn't really know what they were talking about until I went to my mom and asked, and that did not go over well. So this wasn't a surprise to me that Vince McMahon has shelled out millions of dollars for having sex with other women, especially people in the workplace because Vince McMahon had also done an interview and I believe it was, I believe it was in the muscle and fitness magazine. One of the first ones he had done where he admits that he has to have sex every day. This is back when he was the genetic jackhammer. And, uh, just, you know, the stuff that, you know, would be admitted was just kind of wild. But then, I mean, then again, there's also Stephanie McMahon that on the Howard Stern show, if you want to want to hear a good interview, go listen to that. So now, honestly, this one, this one did not surprise me with Vince because like all that early 90s stuff rehashed, you know, to me. Will, did this surprise you at all with McMahon? No, but if you look at the history of what he's done, it dates back even before you and I, Lee. There have been stuff that have came out of this that have leaked back as far as 1983 with female referees, where he's covered stuff up or had people paid off and sign NDAs. And in the, the words of the famous comedian Cat Stevens, nobody accuses you of the same thing a hundred times and it not be true. You know, like if this stuff is going back 35 plus years now and it's just the most recent version of it, there's no telling what's been swept under the rug in the last 35 years that we don't know about. Um, so that that says it all right there. And whether or not they wear red wedding rings or not, it's 2022. People are going to do whatever they want to do inside of holy matrimony or not. So I think that is. Just, I, I think it matters, but in the big scheme of things, if Vince and Linda want to be freaks behind the, the scene and do whatever they want, they're going to, you know, like 
you see it in celebrities all the time. They do whatever they want, however they want to. So I think knowing that Vince has been doing cover-ups like this since the early 80s, it doesn't surprise me at all that that's, you know, the the kind of person he is. Yeah, it, it doesn't surprise me at all. That was well said. You've been, if it's been on you a hundred times, and yeah. Now, Justin, we obviously dated back to uh, you not even existing did you know about any of these scandals from like the early 90s so scandals relating to everything going on now not a hundred percent was wasn't there a scandal with mike mcgurk the old ring announcer vince mcmahon probably that that, that, that one's just kind of fresh in my head that's why i'll tell you this I know that when this broke, Gail Kim tweeted because someone asked her about her time in WWE and she said she wasn't ready to talk about it. So if that tells you anything. Yeah, yeah. that she's been she's ever since she left the company after the whole Battle Royal incident in 2011, where she just eliminated herself and no one really noticed. And after that, she was gone from the company. She's She's been pretty open about how she wasn't a fan of the way the women were portrayed. And I'm sure everyone in that locker room felt that way at that time, along with Gail Kim. I mean, they have no reason not to feel that way with the way they were booked. But, yeah, I mean, who knows how many, how many scandals like this haven't even come to light yet with Vince McMahon. We've heard... What what are we up to now? What, like four, five, six? We're at four right now, I believe. Four, four? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look at the character Vince played on TV throughout the early 2000s. He was, he was the horny old man. He was the genetic jackhammer, and he was all about the big grapefruits. Trish, I want you to bark like a dog. Or you're... Fucking... Stacy Keebler, that whole segment on SmackDown where uh, she became his new assistant. I mean, come on, man. Look, look at the evidence is right here. Look at how Vince McMahon has been portrayed on TV for the last 15 or so years. Yeah, a very narcissistic fall of himself, egotistical maniac, who's also a billionaire that knew how to run a wrestling company, apparently. But kudos. But guys. Vince McMahon is a heat magnet. Agreed. You can't get much more worse than that. Oh, no, wait, there's Chris Benoit. Never mind. Oh, geez. (laughs) All right. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been our first segment of Heat Magnet. Uh, This actually used to be a show. A weekly show you can uh, go back to Apple Podcast or anywhere you listen to this podcast and go back and listen to those episodes and find out who is a heat magnet and why. Now, guys, this is an open discussion. Just I want to have some fun here. What do you guys want to talk about? What what drew you? in this week and what drew you out this week of wrestling 
I oh go ahead, Justin. Go ahead. Oh no no no, you go ahead. You're good. Um, I'm gonna be honest. Uh, Dynamite this week. I I was I was pretty hyped about it going in. I wasn't. Uh, how do I say this politically correct? I don't typically watch much wrestling live these days. Unless I'm going to a show to be there, I usually DVR it so I can fast forward through commercials or entrances or whatever I don't want to see or cover. I like to be able to fast forward it. The buildup to this week's Dynamite, I don't know if it was just good packages built up, but even for an okay-ish episode, I felt like the build had me hyped. Hyped enough that I tuned in to watch Dynamite Live last night. So, I mean, good on them for doing that, convincing me to set through two hours of live wrestling. <laughs> you know what? That's kind of funny because, like, I don't get to watch a lot of live wrestling. I'm I'm so thankful with, like, Raw and SmackDown with Hulu the next day type deal. Yeah. Um, I did catch AEW Dynamite, and... The, the it, it was kind of a shocker, but not really a shocker with Anna J seemingly uh leaving the dark order to join Ty Conti and the Jericho Appreciation Society. That was uh an interesting turn. Uh but I think one we kinda saw coming. You know, we've seen the, the Dark Order become, you know, have have lost members. A couple of them have left the company. Now Anna J turning. You know, we saw a Dark Order segment the week before where they're like, you know, we're here to stay, yada yada. This is us. And that's great. But uh we have a more darker side than the Dark Order. So I have a feeling that they become, you know, really the lesser of the two evils. And I think we're going to start to see them, I don't want to say diminish, but they're just not going to be taken serious anymore. And we've already saw that with segments last night where they're they're now becoming more of uh, a comedy role, if you will. Uh, something that AEW actually really doesn't have much of. You know, some could argue that the best friends are like a comedy thing, but they're way over. You know, the stuff that, you know, the stuff that like Orange Cassidy does, it's just, it's too over. I think these guys could be the comedy role that AEW needs. But I also don't know if AEW knows how to really book that because we already see a lot of guys in the company, you know, with sarc you know, with sarcastic remarks or shots or this or that, where it almost feels like it's almost too hard for AEW to try and have a comedy bit within their show. And I think it's something that they're missing. I think that the dark order could be the ones to do it if done correctly. But so far what I've seen has not been done correctly because they tried making jokes and they got beat up. So if you guys were Tony Khan, knowing you need a comedy role, how are you booking the dark order? I actually wrote this down for a different match. And I said that I like cute and bubbly, but if you want to be dark and gloomy, you have to pick one or the other. It's hard for me to buy a dark act if you want to try to pull the comedy stuff with it. 
And I'm not necessarily saying that you have to go full on House of Black, but I feel like if you're the Dark Order and that's how you present yourself, but then you do segments where you're goofing off and riding six people deep on a lawnmower, like, is there a bridge between sports entertainment and professional wrestling? There absolutely is, and there can be good comedy, but you have to be able to take it seriously. And I feel like there's a lot of times where it's just hard for us to take the Dark Order seriously. Well, yeah, it really is, especially because, like I said, I don't think Tony knows how to book the comedy act really because they've, they've been dark. They've been funny. They've been dark. They've been funny. And you just said it, they need to pick one or the other, but I think there's one person that could really help them. And he's very nice. Very evil. Stop. Stop. No. Yes. Yes. Justin, do you not like Danhausen? Oh no, he fucking hates Really? Oh, I want to know why. Why do you hate Danhausen? Hold on, before he no, no, before you even say any, <laughs> no, before you say anything, Justin, you paid for his autograph and you paid to meet him. By the I way, I was giving to charity. No, I that's not charity. Still counts, man. It still no. counts. No, it's not charity. You still paid and you got the photo. And by the way, you were also at Heroes Hideout in Victor, New York, where Danhausen oh, was. Well, hang on. Hey, no, nah, no, no, you no, were there no, while no, Dan Houston angry because no. you posted a photo of it. Listen, I was there to fight Dan Housen and he had already left. Okay, because he's a coward. He's a coward. I tell you. <laughs> Cursed. No, take take your curse and you go somewhere. Okay. Look, look. I feel bad for Hook, and thank God he's distanced himself from that. Joint the clown wannabe, okay? Because <laughs> if if it, if Hook really wants a tag team partner, he can come to me. We can be J Hook. It's all good. I I can elevate Hook, but but this Juggalo, whatever the hell he is, I I don't even know. He looks like he got his face painted at Fan Fest at Double or Nothing. <laughs> Somebody, please come to the ring. Pick your child up. <laughs> okay, that is a good one. <laughs> oh, you, you want me to get into his like twenty-seven bad tattoos he has too? Why do you have his why do you have his action figure? I have his micro brawler and it's all the way in the back of the display. It sounds like an awful lot like a Danhausen fan to me, Lee. I'm just saying. You know, you know what? Hang on. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's a Danhausen fan. Hang Justin Hausen. Justin Hausen. Don't ever call me that. <laughs> this is this what you're talking about? This guy? Yep. Let me tell you what I think of this guy. Screw that guy. Wow. Why did you just kiss him? You I, I, no, I bit I bit him. I bit no, him. You kissed. We saw it. Ladies and gentlemen, perched correspondent, Justin Hausen. Just kissed his Danhausen no, micro brawler. No, scratch that from the record. That is not true. I'm going to clip this and put it in my episode when I get off the air here. <laughs> no, I hate Danhausen. You know what? I I'm going like to send. Him. He's annoying. He's a no, child. He's, not. he's a clown. <laughs> Why doesn't people get this? Why don't they understand where I'm coming from? I don't get it. Because you're you're the Lone Star Justin Hausen. 
He's riled up now. I can see it. <laughs> I need a drink. <laughs> I, I, I get Dan Housen. And when he first came onto the scene, I had my question marks with it. But he's one of those guys that he's not wrestling enough to where he's trying to for me to be convinced that he's trying to get over as a real wrestler. He's just a character. You know what I mean? And as long you know as he's doing, I'm okay with that. I mean, I know he can work. He's not a fantastic worker. I'm by no means saying he needs a push or to be any title scenes, but he's good comedic relief. I don't see any difference in what Danhausen does and what Orange Cassidy does, with the exception of Orange Cassidy is a better worker in the rink. So, to- at Parker, our purpose is simple: we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Me, Dan Housen is the Santino Morella of WWE, but need in mind, Justin Housen. Santino Morella only needs the WWE championship and he would have become a Grand Slam champion. Also All right. True. Yeah. You know, listen, you- hang on, hang on one second. I'm back now. Dan Housen, here's the difference. You talk about your Grand Slam champions, how Santino was one, one title away from a Grand Slam champion. Dan Housen can't even find a belt that'll hold up his pants. You see how that, how much his tights were falling down at double or nothing? Does he know what a seamstress is? For the love of God, man, you work for AEW. You don't work for Ring of Honor anymore. I know indie guys with better gear than Dan Housen. Thank you. Thank you. I will say that. I know backyard wrestlers with better gear. Okay, fair enough. But I think that's what they would need. If they if if they go the comedic role. Uh, sorry, Evil Uno, but you're not running the show anymore. It would have to be Danhausen because, like, that's the only way I see it. But I'm a I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, Hookhausen in its in its own right, which I know Justin doesn't like. But and by the way, if Danhausen if Danhausen thinks he's winning that FTW championship next week on Dynamite, nah, because I'm gonna be there and I want to make sure that doesn't happen, Lee. It's not gonna happen. Listen, when they had Oh shit, I forgot what I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> if Dan Housen wins the FTW title next week. Listen, 
Okay, Justin listen. has to do something ridiculous on the air. I feel like. Oh, that's gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> I think I already. I think I put in the group chat that he would have to paint his face like Danhausen if Danhausen won. Absolutely. But, uh, I saw if, if they were if they were to do that match right then and there, Danhausen was winning. Did you hear that crowd? Hundred percent. When that music hit, they went nuts. And I was like, oh, please let this happen. I was typing in our group chat. I was going nuts. And and Justin's like, no, 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 no. And then we find out it's next <laughs> week. We find out it's next week. And I was like, yeah, that's bullshit. And then at that point, I was kind of like, yeah, I really, I don't think he's winning. But I think Ricky me. Starks can put him over. I think Ricky Starks can do a great job having a good match with Dan Housen because Ricky Starks oh, yeah. is a fantastic worker. So I think he you could put anybody you Ricky Starks could wrestle a broom and it would look like a good match because the kid can work. So I think having Danhausen work Ricky Starks makes sense. I don't think however however much I would love to see the FT Housen. Um I don't think he'll get the title though on Wednesday. I don't think that'll happen. Yeah, but uh Ricky Starks and a broom. Someone's got to call Saturn. We got to get Moppy and him out of retirement. <laughs> <laughs> And one more thing, that crowd reaction you talk about for Dan House, that wasn't a real crowd reaction. That was a Thunderdome crowd reaction. All the packed heat right there. There's a real heat magnet. I can verify. Justin, you've been to a lot of AEW shows. I've been to, every, I, I think, all but one that's been to Nashville. Um, have you noticed how loud the AEW setup is compared to other live shows? Oh yeah. Like have you noticed that? Like the the sound difference between like a WWE or NWA or Impact show compared to an AEW show, their ring is so much louder than everybody else. Yep. Like everything is more dramatic and everything is louder and bigger and brighter when you watch them live. And I don't I'm not sure what the hell they're doing, but that was one of the biggest things I noticed after seeing it live was how much louder their ring is compared to a WWE ring. It's probably the difference in microphones and stuff that they have underneath the ring. That's the obvious. That's what I thought too. But like, it blew my mind. It was an audible difference, like how loud it was. Like I was like, "Holy crap, it's loud!" Well, uh, Justin and I will be able to experience that together. September twenty first, as AEW comes to literally his backyard, and I got a three fucking hour drive. But that's besides the point. As AEW comes to Albany, New York. Of course, Justin's been to enough AEW Dynamite shows. This will be my first one, even though they've had two shows in Rochester, which, by the way, I'm still salty that uh, as COVID hit, I was supposed to be there live with my media pass for the debut of Matt Hardy and the debut of Brody Lee. I got cheated out of that. Thank you, coronavirus. Fucking piece of shit. But yeah, we're going to experience experience that on the 23rd. Justin will be at Ring of Honor, Death Before Dishonor on July 24th. Justin, I will be meeting Sting and Lex Luger. And I'm going to hopefully get a couple of questions out of Luger like I did the last time. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, what else do we got coming up, Justin? you I know you got a lot of stuff coming up. What do you got for so us? So I will... The 25th, this upcoming Monday, I will also be in Madison Square Garden for Monday Night Raw. And next Wednesday, this was a last-minute thing, and was it Worcester or Worcester? 
which 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 are you know mass the 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 w the w city <laughs> sorry, sorry people um yeah i'm gonna be there for dynamite and it's gonna be fight for the fallen as they announced on dynamite this week so that should be fun and will we know you're going to SummerSlam, and you will also be part of jim crockett promotions rick flair's last match well what else you got coming up and let everyone know where they can find your social media where they can find your podcast and youtube after all uh botched spots and chair shots is one of those podcasts that i like for numerous reasons besides the great content but it's always great to have somebody alongside you to come on as a guest host who's also on chartable's top 250 being the top in the top 250 of wrestling podcasts so we'll let everybody know where they can find you man you can find me at the will gray you can find all of my uh my writing profiles on the sportster on last word on sports pro wrestling stories just search me up will gray all of my uh, my stuff's there Follow Botch Bots and Chair Shots literally anywhere you do anything on the internet. Uh, follow the Smack Raw podcast crew. Uh, likely was saying I've got SummerSlam. Then I've got the the Crockett Promotions, the Brick Flares last match. And then on August 26th is Botch Bots and Chair Shots first promoted show. We're doing the Orange Ribbon Rumble, which is a charity event we're putting on. We're booking a show in a court in, in a partnership with PWA, which is an independent promotion out of Nashville here. And uh, we're doing a charity show for LLS. So uh, big props to your mom for ringing the bell because I rang mine in February when I finished up my chemo for my leukemia. So uh, Botch Bots and Share Shots is getting into the indie wrestling game and we're putting on our first indie show next month. So that's uh, that's pretty exciting. So looking forward to that. Dude, that is awesome. Congratulations and congratulations uh, beating cancer. As, as, I, as I had said when I had talked about my mom that that is not an easy thing. Um, I've, I've never had cancer, but to watch somebody that you love be that sick all the time, lose weight, lose their hair, it, it diminishes them and it, it puts a mental beat down on family and friends who are there to support that person. Uh, so congratulations on that, man. Proud of you. And I'm very proud to hear that you're getting into the indie wrestling side of all of this. Out of nowhere, dude. It just dropped in my lap and I was like, that's cool as shit. Why not put on an indie wrestling show? Uh, the conversation was a lot of fun. I approached the guy who runs the promotion. I was like, this is what I want to do. And he was like, Yep, no problem. Let's do it. And we just immediately started putting boots on the ground, putting a show together. We got the ring, got the venue, got the entrance ramps and the uh, the are like the audio equipment and everything. My barbecue company is catering and doing uh, the concession stands and stuff for it. Dude, just it's nuts. My life got super weird over the last like sixty days. <laughs> super weird or super cool. It's awesome. I mean, yeah, there I, we go. like I get to hang out and talk about pro wrestling and now I'm legitimately helping book a show and like put on a promotion. And I'm like, this is kind of awesome. Like I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm right? having a good time. <laughs> that, that, that is, that is incredible. Ladies and gentlemen, as you heard from our perched correspondent, you'll be able to see 
and and hear the stories coming up from him being at Dynamite Raw. Uh, we'll share our stories about meeting Sting and Lex Luger on Tuesday's show, which is perched on the top shelf. Because remember, if it's not in a case, you don't got the chase. And we'll also be talking everything San Diego Comic-Con reveals from the retros, the elites. Because after all, who doesn't want to scratch that figure itch, even when it's Danhausen? Okay, I'm just going to disregard what you just said last. But <laughs> uh, perched on the top shelf this upcoming Tuesday is, with everything we know coming out of San Diego Comic-Con so far, just as of this recording, it is going to be a loaded show. Because there is a lot to talk about, whether it be WB, AEW related, coming out of it reveals. And it's only, you know, today we still have a bunch of days to go through for, for the Comic-Con, which is going to be incredible. So make sure, fans, Tuesday, you tune into that show. Next Thursday, we'll be doing the WWE SummerSlam predictions. We'll be doing Jim Crocker Promotions, Ric Flair's last match predictions. We'll also have Heat Magnet and some other fun stuff to talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, you can find us anywhere and everywhere when it comes to podcasting, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, Podbean, Podbay, Red Circle, you name it, we're there, perched on the top rope. And I got to say, thank you for all of those keeping us on Chartable's Top 250, whether you're in Ireland, America, Germany, Australia, Indonesia, Canada, Great Britain, you name it, thank you. We love you and we appreciate you. And once we hit that 10,000th like on Facebook, no matter what country you're in, we are going to give a great giveaway of signed figures and signed 8 by 10 So make sure to get to our Facebook perched on the top rope. We're only 20 away. You can find us on Twitter at Perched Top Rope. You can find us on Instagram, Perched on the Top Rope Podcast, where you can uh, see hilarious memes. You can find us on TikTok at Perched on the Top Rope, where you can find Selena scenes recreated with the greatest wrestling moments in professional wrestling history. And the last one is Zack Ryder at WrestleMania 32. Convinced me that wasn't a great moment. You're not going to, because it was a great moment. And if that doesn't tickle your fancy, you can watch the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan, get humped by a dog. That's right. On our TikTok, there is a video of Kevin Sullivan getting humped by a dog. And if you don't like that, well, then you can watch my two cats, Benton and Owen Hart, have a barroom brawl right here at the Hasbro Bar. It's all on TikTok. Again, fans, I can't thank you enough for all the love and support you've given us. This Saturday at 4 p.m., we will have a lovely sit-down conversation with, like, my 40th WWE Hall of Famer. He is the living legend, Larry Zabisco. That'll be Saturday at 4 p.m. Fans, remember, spoiler freeze, the way to be. We're out. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us today for this special call with Tony Khan 
to discuss the upcoming Ring of Honor pay-per-view event, Death Before Dishonor, this Saturday night. I'll turn it over to Tony now for some opening thoughts, and then we're going to open the lines for your questions for the next 45 minutes or so. So, Tony, you're up. Thank you very much, Jim. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. I'm very excited about Death Before Dishonor this weekend. It's great to have you with us. I really appreciate it. The support we've gotten from the wrestling media since the relaunch of Ring of Honor has been amazing, and I think it's been a lot of your support that kept Ring of Honor really uh, going for 20 years, and I think is going to keep it going for a very long time going forward. So I'm very grateful for all of you, and we'll try to get through as many questions as I can while still giving detailed answers, uh, but I'll try to balance that. Thank you very much, and Jim, I'll turn it over to you, sir. All right, Tony, thank you. And thank you to everyone again for joining us. So we're going to start with Kenny McIntosh from Inside the Ropes, and following Kenny will be Jay Shell Nicole from Inclusive Creations. Uh, again, like we'll try to keep our questions as, as uh, succinct as possible so we can get as many people on. Uh, but that said, we want to, you know, obviously, we want you to ask the questions you want to ask. So let's keep all that in mind, and we're up and running. Kenny, you're up. Hey, Kenny. Kenny, you're muted. You need to unmute your line. Kenny, you're still muted. All right, Jim, we'll have to move on for now. Yeah, let's go ahead. Let, let's go to Jay Shell Nicole from uh, Inclusive Creations. <clears throat> and then following Jay Shell will be Brandon Thurston from WrestleNomics. And Kenny, we'll see if we can re regroup with you a little bit later. Jay Shell, you're up. Hi, Tony. This is Jay Shell from the Late Night Grin, SC Scoops, and Russell Purist. I'm so excited for this weekend show. I will be there live, and I can't wait. Uh, but I do want to ask about the ROH roster. We've seen some crossover between AEW and the ROH roster, and I'm looking to see if you have, like, an ideal size for the roster or if you're looking to just have AEW stars bounce from ROH or have people even sign to ROH individually. Well, it's a great question. Thank you. And I think it's going to be a sliding scale in some ways. Just as AEW's roster has expanded, as the programming expanded, Really, if you look, the roster grew at when we had uh, AEW Dynamite and AEW Dark, and we tried to build it, strengthen the roster. Then we added Elevation and tried to add more young wrestlers, and it gave us more chances to develop people for those spots. And I think around that time, a lot of young wrestlers did break through and get on TV. And then last year, almost one full year ago, we added AEW Rampage, and with three hours of television compared to two, uh, then had to build and strengthen the roster more. And so with Ring of Honor, we haven't got the weekly TV going yet. I say yet because it is something that is important to me, and I really think we will get a weekly Ring of Honor show, but I'm not going to do it until the distribution deal makes sense and is right for everybody. And I think right now we have a, a certain number of, key stars for Ring of Honor, as well as 
performers that will be really important in the, the near term and also for the long term future. Some some developmental stars for the future as well as some of the key stars to the history of Ring of Honor signed up. So I think right now it's it's not the biggest version of the roster and I would expand it and add more people and you know, because right now, most of what you see with Ring of Honor uh, is taking place either on these big pay-per-view events like we saw with Supercard of Honor and now Death Before Dishonor this weekend, and also wrestlers being involved in events with AEW, the two companies that I'm the owner and CEO of, and also uh, with companies that we work with, like, for example, New Japan Pro Wrestling. So... Uh, I think right now is not the biggest version of the Ring of Honor roster. It'll, it would probably expand once the TV gets going, if that makes sense. Thanks, Jay Shell. Uh, next up is Brandon Thurston from WrestleNomics. And I'm going to follow Brandon with a write-in from Kenny McIntosh, who couldn't get through. So I've got Kenny's question. Brandon, you're up. Tony, thanks again for your time. Hi, Tony. Thanks again for your Thank time. Thank you. Thank you, man. Um, maybe this will be a little bit redundant to what you just said, but we've, we've seen Ring of Honor uh, storylines built up uh, towards this pay-per-view on AWTV. I was wondering if you could tell us uh, maybe an update on uh, a, a weekly TV show for Ring of Honor. Uh, you've, you've talked about having discussions with Warner Brothers Discovery. Um, I'm wondering if, if WBD is the only possibility we should be thinking about when it comes to a, a weekly Ring of Honor TV show, if there's other media conglomerates you're talking to or, or even your own uh, streaming service. Sure. Well, uh, I have talked to Warner Brothers Discovery, and I'm continuing to talk to Warner Brothers Discovery about it. I have worked with them now to get Death Before Dishonor on Bleacher Report, where it will be available this weekend. I think that's a really positive step. It's the first time Ring of Honor has worked with Warner Brothers Discovery, and I believe it's going to be one of the biggest pay-per-views in Ring of Honor's history. So I spoke to them yesterday, and they're really excited about this event, and there's been good pre-ordering. It's different pattern than AEW, but for Ring of Honor, this is going to turn out to be one of the strongest shows in their 20-year history of producing events. So I think it's a great way to start the partnership with this event, get Warner Brothers Discovery familiar with the Ring of Honor brand, which is happening. Uh, you know, we've been in Atlanta this week one of the home cities of Warner Brothers Discovery. A lot of the executives have come to the show and been around AEW and also around a lot of the great Ring of Honor stars. So I, I think there's definitely appetite on both sides and interest. And like I said, we're, we started things out together with our first pay-per-view event with, with Warner Brothers Discovery working with Ring of Honor. And hopefully, I, I really, really would love to parlay that into weekly TV for Ring of Honor, which would be, I think, great for the wrestling fans and obviously great for everybody working with Ring of Honor. Hey, Brandon. Um, the next question is going to come from Kenny, um, as, as noted, and Chris Mueller will follow from Bleacher Report. Kenny's question is probably in the same vein, but let's ask it anyway to make sure we, we cover off everything on this topic, Tony. Ken, Kenny asks, he just wonders how long I wondered, is the long-term vision for Ring of Honor to have its own TV show and only have ROH on AW for an interpromotional type build, build uh, pay-per-view, or will Ring of Honor maintain a presence on AW TV long-term regardless? Well, that's a great question. Um, 
I would like there to be interaction. I think the two companies can work together. Um, I believe uh, both companies would benefit from that, AEW and Ring of Honor. But I would like a lot of the primary focus on Ring of Honor to be on Ring of Honor shows going forward. But there's also a lot of positive things about having some of the people who are the champions in Ring of Honor being involved in AEW TV and vice versa, having a lot of the AEW stars competing in Ring of Honor, including for the championships, which is uh, contributed to, I think, a lot of the interest in Ring of Honor, frankly, because right now Ring of Honor has one of the strongest lineups of champions in pro wrestling. It includes uh, some of the homegrown stars of Ring of Honor and also some of the top stars of AEW who've gone and, and competed there. So uh, I think all of it blended together makes for a really interesting lineup. And in this, this case, for Death Before Dishonor, it makes for a really interesting lineup of matches this Saturday. Uh, I think AEW Television could be involved in the promotion of Ring of Honor and cross-promoting Ring of Honor and also in, to some extent, in populating Ring of Honor uh, in terms of competition going back and forth. And I think it can benefit both companies. But I would also love to have the primary focus on Ring of Honor week to week be on Ring of Honor's own TV show that I'd like to get going in the future, TV or streaming or wherever it ends up. But definitely the right platform, the right deal for everyone involved. Thanks, Kenny. Thanks, Tony. Okay, as promised, <clears throat> Chris Mueller from Bleacher Report, you are coming up next. And Chris will be followed by Mike Johnson from PW Insider. Chris, you're up. Hey, Tony. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, I doubt so, Hey, <laughs> Tony. Uh, first of all, apologies if I've started something that ruined your Twitter mentions recently. And then... No. Second. I don't know. <laughs> secondly, uh, so the last ROH pay-per-view, the pre-show had four matches and the main show had eight and AEW pay-per-views are always known for having roughly the same amount and close to a dozen matches. So far, we have one pre-show match and six main card matches announced. So I was just curious if you had plans to add anything between now and the event. Yes, I definitely do. We will definitely add some matches uh, between uh, now and then, uh, and We'll have more information tomorrow night on AEW Rampage about Death Before Dishonor and also, uh, you know, on our social media and Ring of Honor uh, accounts leading up to the event. So uh, tomorrow night on Rampage, we'll have a bit of an update, but we'll definitely be adding some stuff uh, between now and then to, to the Death Before Dishonor and Zero Hour Okay, thanks, Chris. Yep. Thanks, Tony. And the length, and by the way, just a, it's a great question, Doc. The length is going to be the same as it was for Death Before Dishonor for the pay-per-view and the zero hour. Okay. Mike Johnson from PW Insider, you are next, and Mike will be followed by Kevin Mitchie from Sportsnet. Mike. Hey, Tony. How are you, sir? Doing great, man. How are you, sir? I'm uh, in the middle of a thunderstorm here in New York, so if you hear any weird noises, I'm not doing anything strange. Um, the, last, the last Ring of Honor show was a show you inherited from the previous ownership. So I'm curious, you know, and you had well, mentioned... Well, I don't think that's fair. I, I, my friend, I don't know if that's fair to say, because uh, I, the, yeah, the 
they had started working on it, but I was under no obligation to actually do the event. And it was something I was excited to do. And also, I ended up putting most of the card together. So I was really proud of it. And I thought it was a great opportunity, uh, rather than wait a long time to keep Ring of Honor in the public eye to celebrate the 20-year anniversary of the company and, uh, you know, how excited we all were about the transaction going through. So um, I, I didn't feel like I got, you know, it was definitely something that they had, they had put uh, a couple of the pieces in together for. But, you know, to be honest, probably one of the biggest pieces of the show was FTR versus the Briscoes, and that wasn't going to happen if I didn't put FTR in. So I didn't feel like that, just so you know. I, I was really excited to do the show and wanted to do the show when they started working on it. But it was something that they had, to your, to your point, they had started working on. Okay, so my question is, uh, you had mentioned sort of wanting to almost have a ECW one night stand feel to Supercard of Honor to kind of pay tribute to the to the past of the company. I was curious mm-hmm. how how different is your approach to putting together the card, booking the card, and what you want your vision of Ring of Honor to be going forward, starting with this show. How different is the approach this time around versus Supercard of Honor? Great question. Uh, so you're totally right about how I felt about that show that was a transitional show into a new era, this next show is different. I mean, it's still, we're still in a transition, but now uh, I believe people know a lot more what to expect. I think uh, we gave people a feel of what the new Ring of Honor is going to be, and a lot of it is very similar to the old Ring of Honor and and echoes the old Ring of Honor, whether it's the familiar voices of Ian and Caprice and, and Bobby, or a lot of the great wrestlers you saw up and down the card, on the main card and the zero hour. And I tried to keep a lot of things consistent. One thing, uh, if anybody was going to ask the Cubs fans question, the the great Lucha blogger, um, I definitely am going to bring back the Ring of Honor Pure Scoreboard for the pay-per-view for Universe Garcia. Um, It's a great point. And uh, a lot of the feel of the show hopefully for the long-time Ring of Honor fans, it's going to make them really happy. And also, I know for a fact, we're making new fans through, to some extent, through using AEW's widespread television penetration. And also people just who were aware of Ring of Honor and hadn't gotten pushed to check out the events one way or another. So I think this will be um, a much more of an established thing uh, and less... Um, of less of a, it, we're still in a transitional phase, but it's less of a, tra- a transition. It was, uh, you know, I think it was, I remember fans saying it was jarring having Ian do the card rundown like they might hear Excalibur do on AEW, running down upcoming matches in the world of wrestling. And, you know, but, but it wasn't a bad thing. It was just like, wow, this is kind of surreal seeing Ian do that card rundown like Tony would have Excalibur do. And, I think, it, but but nobody had a problem with it. It was cool, right? So uh, I think people have a better idea what to expect after Death Before Dishonor in a very good way because from everything I've seen, Death Before Dishonor has been one of the best-reviewed wrestling shows of the year. Or excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Supercard of Honor was one of the best-reviewed uh, wrestling shows of the year. And I think Death Before Dishonor is going to be uh, hopefully even better. And, and on paper, I think the card is even stronger. So I'm really excited for Saturday, and I think uh, hopefully anybody who enjoyed Supercard of Honor wouldn't really enjoy this pay-per-view. And if you haven't seen Supercard of Honor yet, it's definitely worth going out of your way to check out because, like I was just saying, uh, it, it's been, I think, one of the better reviewed shows of the year. 
Thanks, Mike. Indeed. Thanks, Mike. <clears throat> Thank you, Tony. Kevin Mitchie from Sportsnet, you are up next. I'm going to follow Kevin with a write-in question from Ricardo St. Vilas from the Mixed Tag Show. Kevin, you're up. Hey, Tony. Greetings from Toronto, Canada. And hi. I, hi. Hello. I was just uh, going to ask you about Ring of Honor touring and if there was an idea in your head about whether you wanted to do independent touring with Ring of Honor or if it would be kind of a soundstage sort of thing, shooting weekly TV, should you get a deal? And if you tour, would you want to hit big cities or would it kind of be focusing on smaller cities throughout North America? And I say North America because maybe that would include Canada. Yep, that's a great uh, question. I suspect that there are a lot of great venues that we could tape at. You know, people have brought up Universal Studios. I think it's been great for AEW Dark. That could be good, but on the other hand, it could be good to keep it uh, distinguished. There are a lot of great venues that would be good for it across the country, and I'm open to that. So I could see doing tapings, but I could also see uh, sometimes doing you know, uh, some bigger venues. And also, obviously, we run, you know, some big arenas for the pay-per-view events, and I'd like to keep that going. The two events we've done so far, Supercard of Honor and Death Before Dishonor, are also two of the biggest gates Ring of Honor has done. And probably about 90% of the tickets we sold for Supercard of Honor were after we announced the purchase and after I started uh, putting matches on the pay-per-view. So I do think uh, we've gotten a lot of renewed interest in Ring of Honor where there is definitely potential to, to go run bigger venues, not just for the pay-per-view, but also for some of the big TV events. So that's something to keep an eye on. So I wouldn't just say I'd be uh, committed to only doing one fixed thing. I think we could you know, look at a number of different venue types for Ring of Honor. And so far we've been able to get, draw bigger crowds for Ring of Honor for our first two shows than, you know, most Ring of Honor shows in their 20-year history uh, other than a, a select few. So I think that bodes really well going forward also for the brand. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Kevin. As promised, I've got a write-in question, Tony, from Ricardo St. Vitas of the Mixed Tag Show. Ricardo's question is, with Ring of Honor and AW working under your umbrella, is there a possibility of a hybrid six-man titles or women's tag team titles that is featured on both shows? Well, the, the titles, I think, are going to be kept separate. I wouldn't have a hybrid championship or any hybrid championships, I think, between AEW and Ring of Honor. Um, for example, the AEW All-Atlantic Championship is a belt that has been defended outside the country versus wrestlers outside of AEW, and then pack or whoever ends up retaining the title in his upcoming defenses, uh, the champion will return to America and uh, defend that rest, excuse me, defend that title against AEW wrestlers. And I also think uh, a lot of the AEW championships have been defended, you know, outside and other companies against other wrestlers. And we've seen championships from outside AEW defended here. But as far as having a hybrid championship between two companies, I, I don't probably would not do that, but I would have uh, the champions of AEW and Ring of Honor continue to fight each other in, in 
their respective companies and in other companies like New Japan Pro Wrestling and other companies we've worked with, AAA uh, and a number of others. RevPro now in England uh, is a great example of that with the All-Atlantic title also. So uh, that's that's probably how I, how I saw it going. Thanks. Thanks, Ricardo. Thanks, Tony. Um, Ella J, I hope you'll be ready. You are next. Uh, Ella J is with a wrestling gal, and Ella will be followed by Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful. Ella, you good? Can you hear me? Yep. Hi, Ella. Perfect. Hi, how are you? Great, how are you? I'm doing great. I had a question. I was wondering if there was a possibility for Ring of Honor to kind of have the same ranking system that AEW does right now for contenders. I'm probably not going to do it like that. Uh, I'm not sure. I think if there's something to be said for having a different approach to organizing the contenders. But I'm not settled on that one way or another. I, I think there's merit to it for sure with the ranking system we have in AEW and how it, it keeps uh, a clear picture of the landscape of contenders. But on the other hand, I think there's something to be said for keeping it uh, some differences between the companies. So it's a great question, Ella, but I'm not really sure. I haven't decided one way or another yet uh, if I'm going to do that. Right now, we're not using it like that, but I'm trying to use still the logic of wins and losses in the booking of it, if that makes sense. But I haven't necessarily organized everyone into a, a top five graphic, so to speak. Thank you, Ella. Sean Ross Sapp from Fightful is next, and Sean will be followed by Trevor Robb, a write-in question from Post Media. Sean? Hey, Tony, we, we've heard about several wrestlers that are signed to AEW via ROH and and maybe some contingencies there. Are, are there any talent that maybe that we don't know about that are actually signed to the company that have been used, maybe aren't on TV at the moment, that uh, you have signed to full-time deals with ROH? The Briscoes. That's... Um, That's interesting. The Briscoes is a great example of that. The Briscoes are under contract during a honor uh, and a long-term contract. And I think there are some other developmental wrestlers, but really the key, probably the biggest names that are exclusively signed to Ring of Honor are the Briscoes. And they are some of the biggest names in Ring of Honor history. They're Hall of Famers. And uh, there are others but i think those that would be a great example of a key act where they haven't really appeared in aew yet but they are signed to ring of honor in me thank you tony thank you sean i've got a write-in question here i'm going to read and then i'll have an, another um um we'll call on somebody after tony answers this question here from trevor trevor rob from post media trevor asked you tony AEW has a plethora of newly designed championship belts the evolving TNT title and the brand new All Atlantic title. Will we will will we be perhaps seeing new championship belt redesigns for our Ring of Honor titles? That's a great question. Um, I'm open to new designs, new championship belts. Obviously, we're just getting started. It's our first few months here and uh, officially running the promotion, and this is uh, the first pay per view where I've been the the 
official owner. We were in the process of finalizing the transaction on the last show, so I was uh, the booker and the interim owner, so to speak. And we actually uh, did, as we did the deal, we, we kept the profits from that show. It was after the time of the letter of intent, so everything after that going forward, I took over the business operations. But still, in some ways, it feels really final now. Uh, you know, not having uh, any uh, obligations under the offer sheet, the term memo, anything like uh, that. It's all done, closed. And uh, so it, it's pretty exciting. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but, but yeah, um, uh, you know, going forward, we'll have to uh, think about that. Very good. Thank you, Tony. <clears throat> Thanks for the question, Trevor. Okay, Mike McGuire from TSN Radio is up next, and Mike will be followed by Sean Radican of PW Torch. Mike, you good to go? Tony, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm, I'm mad at myself, actually, because after hearing 10 other people ask you how you are and still hearing you say you're great, I was like, come on, don't start with that. But that's where we're going. You not want to? I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I am I am doing pretty great. I feel very good and very blessed. It was a good night uh, for us last night to be here in Atlanta, one of the homes of uh, pro wrestling and one of the homes of Warner Brothers Discovery. So I'll give you the longer answer when you ask me how I am. It's really, I'm really great. It was really nice to meet so many of the folks from Warner Brothers Discovery last night here with AEW, and now they're also supporting us with Ring of Honor, and for them to be talking to me about Ring of Honor is kind of surreal, to be honest with you, because yeah. uh, just a few years ago when we were getting this thing off the ground with AEW, uh, and and now here we are doing Ring of Honor together. So uh, thank you for asking, and I'm doing great. Awesome. I appreciate that. So. Sticking with the topic at hand, you're obviously the pay-per-views this weekend. Like you said, it's your first one outside of anything that was pre-promoted with the previous ownership group. Now that the ball is firmly in your hand, there, there's nobody else touching this thing. Um, I, I guess, how are you feeling balancing this show out with everything else that AEW has been doing? Because you've done some great cross-promotion with Impact Wrestling. You've done some great cross-promotion with New Japan Pro Wrestling. And now... You're going to be focusing on two of your brands. Is it still easy for you to to prioritize these two, or is it still kind of up in the air? We're going to see how everything lands at, at this point. I feel great about it. Uh, I really am enjoying it, and I think it's been great for both companies, uh, especially at a time when AEW got hit with some injuries. I think it was really valuable to have somebody like Claudio Castagnoli step in and who's not only one of the great legends of Ring of Honor, but also has come in and been a top star in AEW and been in some of the biggest matches in AEW already since he arrived in some of our biggest events in a very short time. Uh, and now is going on the challenge for the Ring of Honor world title against Jonathan Gresham, who's a, a very important in Ring of Honor's history. And, you know, we'd have two... Legends of Ring of Honor, I think it's fair to say, Claudio Castagnoli and Jonathan Gresham, uh, two wrestlers who've held championships but have had really different paths in Ring of Honor. And, you know, Jonathan Gresham has done something and accomplished something that Claudio never has in pro wrestling. Claudio's done all these great things, and he's always talked about as a wrestler's wrestler, 
and is definitely one of the most respected athletes in this business, but he has yet to ever win a world championship in pro wrestling. And it's uh, something that's eluded him everywhere he's gone, and Jonathan Gresham has not had that problem. Jonathan Gresham's been a great champion for Ring of Honor and has continued to be. And I think it's a great example of trying to integrate uh, a wrestler from Ring of Honor into the AEW programming. I've enjoyed the matches he's had in AEW, and I've obviously loved the matches he's had in Ring of Honor, too. And I think it's going to be a great match, a great clash of styles in some ways. But on the other hand, uh, two similar styles in some ways from two athletes who are very differently physically built. And I'm really looking forward to Ian and Caprice calling this. I think Ian did a great job putting some thoughts down, uh, not exactly on paper, on Twitter, uh, put some long thoughts down and a long-form thread breaking down some of the physicality, some of the psychology behind Claudio versus Jonathan Gresham. And uh, that's one match I'm interested in in particular. And I also think it's a great example of uh, the roster of AEW and the roster of Ring of Honor having some fluidity. And then there's some wrestlers from AEW who have never, probably would never appear in Ring of Honor. And also now we've had some wrestlers from Ring of Honor who are exclusive to there. So uh, right now I think it's been a good pattern for everyone. Thank you, Mike. If that makes sense. Thanks, Mike. Sean Radican from PW Torch is up next, and Sean will be followed by Stephanie Francombe from Steel Chair. Sean? Hey, Tony. How are you? I'm awesome, man. How are you, Sean? I'm good. I'm, ex I'm excited about the show this weekend, and um, I wanted to ask you about, you know, um, promoting the show. There's been stuff on AEW Dynamite, but also some really good video packages with you know, Caprice Coleman moderating the Briscoes and FTR and Ian Riccoboni being used to and for, for the Jay Lethal and Samoa Joe match this weekend. And they really captured the, you know, kind of the feel of ROH and what it's about in my eyes. Can you talk about, is this representative of, you know, you're booking two shows is, I mean, what's it going to be like once, or what do you anticipate it being like once TV starts and do you think the two shows are going to, you know, Dynamite, you know, has its own pace, but it seems like ROH now has a real shot to have a different feel. And, and personally, what's that like, I'm sorry, this is long-winded, but, you know, what's that like for you to, you know, kind of, you know, develop, you know, ideas for the two shows and have two distinct feels for each show? Well, the great question. And and it's not long-winded at all, Sean. You have to remember who you're talking to. So I uh, I give what you get. Your question was not long-winded in any way, and I hope I'll try to not make my answers like that. But uh, but, but it's a great question. A great couple questions. So I appreciate you saying that. I think the video packages that we put together they have a different feel than AEW. We've got some different hosts that I think add to the presentation. You mentioned the great jobs that Ian has done, and in particular Caprice recently, uh, for example, with FTR and the Briscoes and some of the videos that Caprice has done uh, in the lead-up to the pay-per-view, I think they do a great job. So in particular, having different hosts has added to it. Now having Ian and, in particular, again, Caprice appear on a regular basis on AEW TV. They've been on Dynamite, and Caprice has been on Rampage a lot. And I think it's been great. And 
I do think that's helped uh, build an audience in some ways for Ring of Honor, but also show that Ring of Honor has a different voice and a different presentation. I think that'll continue into the television. Um, the pay-per-view, like I said, Supercard of Honor was incredibly well-received, and now uh, I'm really very optimistic that Death Before Dishonor this weekend is going to be a great, great pay-per-view, and again, can hopefully show the kind of feel that we're going to have for Ring of Honor, and, and it's a different pacing and even a different pay-per-view structure in some ways than we've done with AEW, where um, this pay-per-view, uh, you know, has got a, a different length and a different feel. And I do think that it's going to be positively received. I'm hopeful, but I also think that it, it'll give people another flavor of what to expect. And you'll see the Ring of Honor pay-per-views. They're just a little different from the AEW pay-per-views. Still, still great. And hopefully that'll continue into TV. They'll have two distinctive feels for the shows, I really believe. And um, I hope you'll enjoy them. There are some people I know, um, some some wrestling purists, who I've told that they're really going to enjoy the Ring of Honor shows. Like a like great example is like my friend Rick Rubin, who is just an awesome, awesome guy. I'm not, I, I hate to name drop him. Um, I, I rarely do but I really like him a lot and he loves pro wrestling so much. And he's one of the smartest people I know and just a really, really, really cool, really good person. And, you know, I think this is a wrestling show. Rick Rubin's really going to enjoy just an example of someone I know. He, he watches all the AEW shows. He loves them and talks to me all about stuff all the time. Um, you know, Christian cage in particular has been killing it in his eyes. And, um, I, I really respect his thoughts and his ideas and, and I just love, Rick and I. This is a show I think Rick's really going to enjoy. So uh, I'm, I'm fired up. Thank you, Sean. <clears throat> Thank you. As promised, Stephanie Francone from Steel Chair is next. On deck will be Bill Quicker for wrestling. Steph, yep. Hi, Tony. Hi. Hello. How are you? <laughs> Oh, I'm very well. I'm very well. Thank you very much. How are you? Oh, great. The sun is wonderful here in France, and uh, we are looking forward to watching uh, this new Ring of Honor pay-per-view. I wanted to ask you about um, the tradition, because Ring of Honor is really something about tradition, pure rules, and things like that. And it also helped a lot of talents to become who they are today. And for you, was it essential to have in your roster uh, some of those people who help uh, Ring of Honor um, become uh, what it is today? I, I think about CM Punk, Samuel Joe, Claudio, people like that. Thank you. I think, thank you for asking. I think it's been tremendously important to the resurrection of Ring of Honor and getting some of the key names involved. Uh, I think final battle, AEW had very little to do with the event, but I wanted to help out because like I've shown with a lot of other wrestling companies, when the chips are down, if somebody needs help, you know, if it's not going to hurt AEW and, and if it's going to help them but not hurt us, I'll generally do it. And, uh, you know, we've done it for other wrestling companies before. And when Ring of Honor was going down, uh, Final Battle 2021 was going to be the last show under the previous ownership, and, and it was looking to be the last Ring of Honor event for probably a while. 
and uh, they came and, and reached out and were interested in having some of the legends of Ring of Honor, like the CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Adam Cole, who are three of the top stars in AEW. Of course, all of them have been out injured, and I'm optimistic we'll get all three back hopefully soon, and, and it'll make a huge difference in AEW. Not to get totally sidetracked talking about AEW, but there are three of the great legends of Ring of Honor. And at the time of Final Battle, they were all on fire in AEW. I mean, in December, like, that's the stuff that was carrying us into the TBS era, the three programs that really got AEW through from TNT to TBS transition, in my opinion, and really just looking at the data, were the CM Punk versus MJF, the Hangman Page versus Brian Danielson, and the Orange Cassidy versus Adam Cole programs, which all three did great every week. And uh, Punk, Danielson, and Cole at the time, huge part of the AEW TV every week, but also three legends who had very different careers and had huge accomplishments, each of the three of them in Ring of Honor. And, of course, Punk and Danielson are two of the original four Ring of Honor Hall of Famers in that inaugural class. So I was, I was happy to have them do the video packages, and I think it did add a lot to the presentation of Final Battle to see a lot of those stars talking about how Ring of Honor was important to them. They also, um, as has happened so much in all sports, including pro wrestling, their show got disrupted by COVID, and they needed a replacement for a main match on the show. And so Jay Lethal is another one of the greatest wrestlers in Ring of Honor's history, and he was in... Uh, AEW had just started with us, and I sent Jay Lethal to work that show, which is now very fitting because here's Jay Lethal in the new Ring of Honor. Talk about one of the greatest wrestlers in Ring of Honor history and the longest reigning television champion in ROH history, and and to have the longest reigning world TV champion ROH history, Jay Lethal, challenging the Ring of Honor TV champ Samoa Joe, who is in his first reign as the TV champ, but is also one of the most accomplished wrestlers in Ring of Honor, and is also one of those initial four Hall of Famers. So it's very cool getting these wrestlers involved at Ring of Honor. I was happy to do it, honestly, before uh, before we had anything to do with it. And there was a decent chance we weren't going to be the ones that ended up buying this company. But, I, you know, I, I, that's not why I did it. I thought it was the right thing to do, and they, they asked. And, uh, you know, when I've asked people in wrestling for favors, people have helped me out, but generally, uh, to be honest, probably more so, I get asked all the time for stuff, and I mostly, when I can, try to accommodate it. Um, that was one of those times where I'm, I'm glad we did. And uh, so it, it's, been a, it's been, I think, important to the relaunch and the new Ring of Honor to have this feel that there's... Uh, that there's some of the great stars are coming back. I think Ian summed it up in the thread he put together probably better than I've seen anybody else say it. That like last year, Ian and Caprice would have these conversations, and Ian would say, how would Samoa Joe fare now in this ring of honor? How would Claudio fare in this ring of honor? Well, this weekend you get to find out for yourself. You get to see a lot of the young stars that have come up in this ring of honor today. And in recent years, again, some of the greatest stars in the 20-year history of Ring of Honor who've gone on and had had left and now are back because Ring of Honor is uh, stronger, in my opinion, than it's ever been before now after 20 years of history and, and 
it, it's crazy how it ended up here, but I think it's a great question, and I, I believe it's been a really big part of the success of the relaunch is bringing back some of the biggest stars of Ring of Honor while also keeping a lot of the people that kept Ring of Honor going in recent years involved in the show. Thank you. Thanks, Stephanie. Bill Pritchard from WrestleZone, you are up next. Bill will be followed by Max Ebert from SportsKita. Bill? Hey, Tony, everybody already asked you how you are, you said good, so uh, are you looking forward to anything at Comic-Con being revealed this weekend? Yeah, uh, we are going to have uh, hopefully some good news at Comic-Con, but I'm not I, I'm not sure yet if it's going to go through, but I'm hopeful that it will, so that that would be great, and uh, so I'm optimistic we'll have some news at Comic-Con, but I can't say for sure yet, uh, just because of the unpredictable nature of the things that, like, things I could be announcing. <laughs> that makes sense. I, I want to be there. I'm, I, you know, it's hard, but in some ways, it's why we have such a great team. Uh, I would 99 times out of 100 be there with a group at Comic-Con. The only times there's been stuff for AEW that I haven't been able to go to, it's because there's been something else going on with AEW, which is a good thing. I've done every TV show we've ever done. Uh, every dark match that's ever aired, I was there. Um, and at least in the building, even though I might, if it was an elevation or dark before a show, I might be running around doing a pre-tape or putting something together for Dynamite. But I've, every Dynamite, every Rampage, every event we've done, I've been there. And I want to be there for the Comic-Con, but of course, it's the same day as Death Before Dishonor. So it's a great question if AEW and Ring of Honor, either company will have anything to announce at the event. Ring of Honor, I'm not so sure. I think we're going to be 100% focused on Death Before Dishonor on Saturday. AEW will have a presence at Comic-Con. Of course, some of the wrestlers there are some of the legends of Ring of Honor, too. Uh, and I'm optimistic that they could have some good announcements there. But they would probably have more direct impact and influence on AEW than they would uh, on Ring of Honor, to be honest, if that makes sense. Thank you, Bill. Thank Max, you. Max Everett? from Sports Kita is next, and I will follow Max with a write-in from Sebastian Diaz from Sonar FM in Chile. Max? Max, you're muted. You need to unmute yourself. If you click the green microphone that's or the red microphone that's on the dashboard thank you Rob. how about if i go ahead and uh, ask sebastian's write-in question and then we'll check in with max after that okay sure so here's here's the question tony from from uh, sebastian diaz from sonar fm it's a pretty simple question. What what do you see as the main differences? Can you describe the main differences between AEW and Ring of Honor? Wow, that's a great question. Um, well, they're very different promotions. Uh, Ring of Honor has been around a lot longer and has a more established history in some ways. Uh, Ring of Honor has been around now for over 20 years, whereas AEW, we've only been around for about three years. Um, Ring of Honor has some different rules. For example, uh, the, there's a heavy emphasis on the Code of Honor, 
It's a different presentation. Uh, and again, just when you have a different history and a different presentation, some of that is intrinsic. It's hard to put a finger on how it's different, but it's just different. And so they're different companies with different fields. Um, some of the great stars of both companies are the same, like CM Punk is one of the most important wrestlers in both companies' history. Brian Danielson is a very important wrestler in both companies' history now. Um, but the history, those histories are very different. And uh, also the, the sizes of the companies. AEW has risen further and faster than any wrestling company in recent history. And, you know, I can uh, get into many debates about the business of this stuff, but the bottom line is the numbers, the probably the, the numbers we've done on pay-per-view and live attendance are the things that probably translate historically the best because they're not going to be impacted by the cord cutting or the fragmentization of cable or various other factors. But I think when you look at the live attendance numbers AEW has done in our first three years and, and you know, as of today in 2022, and the pay-per-view numbers that we've done and continue to do that have been stronger than ever in the past year, uh, you know, nobody's really done those numbers outside of WWE in this business since WCW. WCW at their peak, at the peak of the wrestling business, had done bigger numbers, but I would say in the early to mid-90s and the late 90s into 2000, the numbers we're doing are very consistent with numbers WCW did, and that was a huge part of the wrestling business. Now, when the wrestling boom really got going, I think the place of WCW in history is historic, and it's very different. But the business we're doing right now is also significantly stronger on pay-per-view, and the revenue higher, and the live attendance higher by a lot, by a wide margin than WCW in the early to mid-90s and, and, frankly, into the, the late 90s and early 2000s. So um, I think AEW's place in wrestling history is pretty significant because AEW should be known as being the strongest challenger promotion, the strongest uh, wrestling promotion other than WWE, which is, that's why I say is a challenger promotion, but I'm just spelling out who, who the who person you're challenging is when you're competing in the wrestling business in North America or the world. And I don't. I think AEW, it's very fair to say, is probably the, the strongest challenger brand in wrestling in two decades. Uh, they're very different promotions. Ring of Honor uh, had risen to hot, great heights. And I think when we purchased them, it would be very fair to say this was not the high period for them. And what's really exciting now is just in a few short months that I've been booking the shows and that we've been um, working with Ring of Honor and AEW together. We've seen more interest in Ring of Honor than there has been in many years. And I would say right now, it's very fair to say, is the peak of interest in Ring of Honor. This will be the strongest back-to-back pay-per-view performances in Ring of Honor history by far. And these are two of the, the biggest live gates that Ring of Honor has ever done for these two cards. This one is bigger than the last one. And, uh, you know, there are still tickets available. They're in Massachusetts, but uh, already the gate we've done would be up there with the best Ring of Honor show. So it's different expectations. They're different companies. They have a lot of the same fans, I believe, but there's definitely they have their own fan bases. There's fans of uh, each company separately, and that's great. But the more of them that we can make fans of each other, that that's a real positive thing, I think, for both businesses. And there's synergies between these two businesses, AEW and Ring of Honor, that exist. Synergy is a word that I learned in, you know, you hear the word synergy thrown around a lot, but I 
don't actually, I don't actually think everybody who hears the word knows what it means. So I'm, I bet 95% of you know what the word means, but I guarantee you there's going to be somebody I'm about to say that joined this media call that didn't actually understand what the word meant. Synergy is when you have two things separately, say peanut butter and jelly, and they're great separately, but when you put them together, they're stronger than just A plus B. Like the, the combination is better than, than what it should be uh, in, in many ways. And so, uh, the synergies of them together are stronger than they would be separately. Or if you just add to them together, a plus B as a, as a compound is stronger than just adding up a and B. And I do think that's AEW and ring of honor. Great. You know, great examples of this are the library of content under my ownership now is so much bigger than it was before. AEW's produced very, very high-end slick content, very high production values, and Ring of Honor, I think, has produced a huge volume of content, and now the production values, I think we've helped, we've made them stronger. I think Death Before Dishonor is going to look better than a lot of the Ring of Honor shows had historically, and I want, I want to make Ring of Honor feel like a very major league promotion without completely changing the look and feel of everything they've done in 20 years, but also trying to catch Ring of Honor up in many ways to AEW uh, in terms of the commercial success and how, you know, how strong the production values are while still maintaining the Ring of Honor feel. So it's a lot that's like I said uh, before uh, when uh, Sean asked a question, I joke, I give long winded answers. That's a long winded answer, but it's a serious, question and I wanted to give a serious answer. So I hope that starts to kind of answer. Thanks. Very good, Tony. Thank you. And thanks thanks for the question, Sebastian. I've got the question from Max Everett here on write-in. So I'm going to go ahead and go with another write-in here, Tony, and then we'll follow your answer to Max with John Alba from Podcast Heat. Max's question is, given ROH's history with New Japan, and the recent Forbidden Door event, could we see a collaboration between the promotions once more? So, uh, you, sorry, Jim, that was, a, can you ask that one more time? Just want to make yeah, sure I understand. I, I'm not sure if, 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 if the question is, is succinct here. Um, I think what Max is asking here is given ROH's history with New Japan and then AEW's recent Forbidden Door event collaboration. Could we see a collaboration between perhaps Ring of Honor and New Japan? Got it. Yes. yes. I do think that's possible, and I think all three companies working together is possible. So I definitely believe that. And, I, and really, we saw that to some extent at Forbidden Door, that there was some collaboration between all three companies, of course, when there was the winner-take-all tag match uh, with FTR versus Rapungi Vice versus the United Empire. So definitely I, I would look forward to more collaboration going forward. Very good. Thanks, Max. I hope I answered or asked your question correctly, Max. Um, working the dashboard here, so apologies if I didn't. Um, okay, John Alba uh, from Podcast Heat is next, and we will follow John with Nick Hausman of Wrestling Inc. Jim, thank you very much for your time, and Tony, Thank you as well. If you could ask Rick Rubin about his production decisions on ACDC's Ball Breaker album, that would be great because I've had a lot of questions about that over the years. So, I'll let what you is your question? That. 
Uh, I just, I, it was a very raw approach for the band at the time. And that was like their Beavis and Butthead stage. So I was just curious as to why go raw rather than big guitars, but that's, that's a conversation down the line. So I, I appreciate your time. Um, I want to ask about Willow. Willow is someone who anytime she shows up on AEW TV, everyone is talking about, and you have had confidence in putting her in some pretty high stakes spots here in ring of honor so far. What is her status right now with either company? And, and do you see a future for her as an anchor of one of your women's divisions in the near or distant future? Willow's been wrestling with AEW, and she had wrestled with Ring of Honor in the past also. And now, uh, with being able to book both companies, I think Willow's a great wrestler for any wrestling promotion, including both AEW and Ring of Honor. And I think she's a great face for any women's division. And we're watching her get better and, and better and better. And I think she's improved a lot in the time I've known her. And I mean that in a very sincere way. And I'm very appreciative of how hard she works because I think Willow's gotten tons, tons better and still the sky's the limit. So I, I'm very excited about her growth as a pro wrestler. And I think Willow's a, a great, great prospect and a great young star going forward for both AEW and Ring of Honor for and could be. Uh, a strong featured wrestler going forward for either company or both companies. Next. Okay, so Nick Hausman is next. And then we're going to finish, uh, we're getting close to the top of the hour here. So we're going to go with Nick. And then we're going to conclude here with spinning the wheel. Dom D'Angelo, also from Cod Podcast Heat. So, Nick, you're up, and we'll conclude with Dom. Hey, Tony. Thanks for taking the time today. My pleasure. Um, so I wanted to ask you about this recent Fightful report that Colt Cabana is slated to be a part of the Ring of uh, Honor roster. He's not advertised for this card. Uh, is he going to be in the ROH mix? And I was also wondering uh, if you could comment on the dynamic uh, between Cabana and Punk. Um, we know there's issues. They both talked about it, but there's some speculation that Cabana may be uh, headed to ROH to put some distance between the two of them. Well, I would say that Colt is part of what we're doing in Ring of Honor. Obviously, he was involved in uh, Supercard of Honor and has been a great wrestler in the past of Ring of Honor. And I am planning to have him involved in the show this weekend. And they haven't announced everything for the card yet. We've only put in championship matches so far. And then one match for the zero hour, of course. Willow had a great performance on Dynamite. And I thought it was important to follow up on Wednesday Night Dynamite and let the fans know they can check out Willow on the zero hour for free. And to, if, if you enjoyed seeing Willow here on Wednesday Night Dynamite, hey, check out the zero hour. And, and she's wrestling... Allison Kay, who's another great wrestler who's come into AEW in the past and is somebody I really respect and thought would be a great opponent. And I thought Allison Kay versus Willow would be a great match. So right now that's the only match we've announced outside of the championship matches. But Colt was a big part of the Supercard of Honor in the Zero Hour and, and absolutely will be involved in Death Before Dishonor. And I wouldn't comment on the other stuff, but, uh, you know, thanks for asking anyway. But um, I uh, do think 
it'll be great for that event going forward uh, for Ring of Honor and uh, just in general, I'm, you know, always happy to have them around. So uh, I think a lot of the um, legends of Ring of Honor, to the point I was making before, being involved in Supercard of Honor and now again in Death Before Dishonor, um, people coming back who hadn't been around in, in years in Ring of Honor, some people in many years uh, in the cases of, say, Samoa Joe or Claudio, but other people who it's just been a few years they've been away, like Cole Cabana, you know, I think all of that has led to an increased interest in Ring of Honor, all these people coming in, and, and Cole Cabana is definitely somebody that's going to be involved in Ring of Honor. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Tony. And uh, to, to bring us home, we have Dom D'Angelo from Podcast Heat. Dom, you're, you're up. You're the last one. Hello, Dom. I can't get Dom unmuted. Okay. Um, well, let's see here. Let's see if maybe we can squeeze one more in. I'll tell you what, sure. I, I've, got, I've, got a, I've got a write in. How about that? Let's, let's end with a write in. Um, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll close. It's a good write in question here from Issa Ramos from Lucha Libre Online. Very excited for this show. How is it booking two separate companies, and what's the decision process to figure out what ROH talent to feature on AEW television? Well, I really appreciate the question, and I really enjoyed the booking of both companies. And I think it's been great having a lot of the great wrestlers involved that have straddled both promotions, uh, in particular. Samoa Joe, before uh, you know, before he got knocked out of action, uh, having him being involved in both companies. I mean, he's one of the greatest wrestlers in the world, and certainly a, a legend in Ring of Honor. And having him involved now in AEW two is great. And I'm really excited about him finally making a return this weekend at Death Before Dishonor, defending the World Television Title against Jay Lethal, and what I'm sure is going to just be an awesome, awesome, awesome match. And uh, I absolutely have followed Ring of Honor, I've enjoyed Ring of Honor, I've been a fan of Ring of Honor during its history. And it's very different to go back and try and pay tribute to the history of another promotion versus AEW, where I try to pay history to all of pro wrestling and try, you know, we, I think AEW is the home of pro wrestling on TV. And, you know, whether it's uh, bringing in some of the old legends of wrestling and paying tribute to them, you know, and their past accomplishments, or honoring our own history at AEW, things that have happened in our three years, um, it's important to me, but it's also our own homegrown history. It's very different than taking over Ring of Honor, take, you know, and reimagining uh, a 
company that has had a great history and and has a, a great legacy in pro wrestling. So it's very different, but I really enjoy it, and and I think that there's a great balance between the two. It, you know, it's it's different than when we started doing Rampage and doing a second AEW TV show versus you know booking a second promotion. But uh, but it's a lot of fun. Thanks for asking that. Um, and uh, Jim, I don't know if that's did you ever the, the person who couldn't get their phone unmuted? Did they ever well, get it fixed? I think I think we're actually we just close the the panel if you will so right here at the top of the hour tony so we got to get cool. easily in there in 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 place so hopefully we've accommodated everybody uh, sufficiently here how's that sound well great yeah that's good well i'm really glad uh, to be able to talk to everybody today and lots of great questions thank you jim for getting this set up thank you mandy and robin um I really appreciate everybody taking the time to talk about Death Before Dishonor. Hopefully a lot of you are going to make it up to Lowell Master the event or get a chance to watch it on TV or streaming. And I'm just really humbled by uh, how much interest there's been in the new Ring of Honor. And uh, I'm really excited for the future of Ring of Honor and for AEW. And uh, without all you great folks in the media and the coverage you provide, disseminating all the information, um, and giving your thoughts to the fans around the world. You power pro wrestling, and, you know, the, the wrestling media helped bring me to pro wrestling over 30 years ago, and I know a lot of you grew up with the, the wrestling media, and now you're a part of that same wrestling media, and it's really great, and I appreciate your time. Thank you for taking the time to talk to, the, to us today about Death Before Dishonor. Thanks for that close, Tony, and, and, and we'll just echo on our end to, to thank everybody. We are at the end of our time, but um, we're very, very grateful, and as always, as you know, we provide an audio file of, of the presser that you just uh, attended, uh, so we'll be doing that shortly. Um, so be looking for that, and we hope to see you in person on Saturday night. Um, if not, we know you'll be tuned in, and uh, for that, everyone at Ring of Honor is extremely grateful. So again, thanks a million for, for attending, and uh, best wishes for a for good, re good rest of your week, and a great weekend uh, ahead here with Death Before Dishonor. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now, but I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.